Welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. I'm Jim Rugg. Jeff Darrow has joined us today, and we're going to be taking a look at one of his masterpiece comics that he did uh, in tandem with Frank Miller. Hard Boiled is under the microscope today. Jeff, thank you so much uh, for, for joining us. Thank you for inviting me back. I know I'm, I'm a favorite amongst your insomniac. Uh, <laughs> I put on my interview and that they, you know, they sleep like they've never slept before. <laughs> that is not true. Uh, but what is true is that most of, uh, if not damn near 99% of, of your uh, comics career has been involved with, uh, with Dark Horse Comics uh, pretty much from the beginning. And uh, Jimmy, what are we looking at here? Yeah, I brought these. Uh, this is a Dark Horse Insider I love this stuff because it's sort of the ephemera of comics retail past. You know, Dark Horse and other indie publishers would send this stuff out and it would let Comic Shop know, you know, what's coming up. And this one is, is kind of interesting. This is July 1990, so promoting um, Hard Boiled's release. There's one of these sitting on eBay for 150 bucks, and I don't really understand why, because if you look under it, and it's just, you know, it's newsprint, eight pages. Yeah. If you look under it, this is from 1989. So this is a preview of Dark Horse's plans coming out in 1989. And this must be the first appearance of Hard Boiled, is, is my that, guess. And that's the very first drawing I did of him. Wow. That's yeah. that's why I pulled this out. And I... This is going to... I'm thinking, what should I? God, that's a horrible drawing. But but as I look at it, uh, God damn, the, the 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 folds are so horrible. But as as I look at it, I think I remember I wanted him to kind of look like a little bit like Bronson and a little bit like Bruce Willis. I think uh, I didn't I didn't capture either one of them. But, uh, you know, Jeff, I always thought that you yeah, were boy. some lone Frenchman uh, who's lives next door to Mobius or something. And it's things like this. In his first major American publication, I'm starting to feel more justified in like all of my young thoughts about who Jeff Darrow may be, the elusive Jeff Darrow, because it would be like language like that that would it's like suggest that you're from some foreign land or something. Well, I, I had, I'd already had some, something printed in the States. It was a uh, heavy metal printed one of my stories from, uh, um, it was printed in Metal Herlant in around 80... 485 something like that no we're gonna have to search that one out jimmy we're gonna have to no. go through our bins and see if we have that is it bourbon threat or no it's before that no, 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 yeah it's bourbon threat yeah yeah yeah. and it's uh the color's different and uh than it was when it was printed because i mean that story was a four-page story and uh i had a friend that i talked to a friend named jim stenstrom who, who was a writer he worked with uh, uh yeah he worked for Warren wrote a lot of Warren series, uh, and he uh, he, he broke it down because uh, Pacific Comics wanted to print it before they went out of business, and he took it and he just cut up my the pages and, and turned them into like a four, ten or fourteen page story. But that first story I ever did was like four pages. There must have been twenty panels on a page. I mean, the pages were enormous; they were just huge. I always wanted to do this right here. Have two mm. copies of Hard Boiled One so that we could actually uh, complete the image. Yeah, it's a sweet image. It's the back cover I, for, for the first ish. I, I drew that in France. I remember exactly where it was. I was drawing it. I was, I'd drawn it and I thought, oh, I thought, but the best part I thought of it was, was the name of the car and Dark Horse wanted me to change it. <laughs> it says Jesus Chrysler. Jesus Chrysler. I thought, oh, that's, I, you know, pat, I'm breaking my arm, pat myself on the back. I thought, oh, that's funny. And they called me, can we change the name of the car? I said, no. And, and they said, well, 
because you know there like people down there might be stores down south that won't be happy with that. I said, no, it's a good gag. And they were going, it's not that good a gag. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I just literally saw this yesterday on, I think it was on Twitter, might have been Instagram. Somebody had posted a picture. And I can't remember the comic, so this story's going to fall a little bit flat. But it was from the maybe late 90s. And somebody's like, oh, I wish I would have thought of that. It was a Jesus Chrysler reference. Like, you could see the logo on the car. Somebody's head's being slammed into a car. And they're like... Yeah, uh, Jeff Darrow thought of it several years before this. <laughs> and I can't remember the comic, which is maybe better. I don't don't need to take yeah. a shot, but it was really funny because literally yesterday I saw somebody else uh, who also Jeff thinks that's a great idea because they they swiped it from you. <laughs> See now that cover hard but Go back to that. Now I'm going to show you something. Yes, please. Uh, because I had done a logo. It. And this is the way the cover I wanted the cover to be, and, uh, <laughs> and this is funny because I sent it in, and I never heard from Frank, <laughs> which I guess sort of told me that, yeah, that's not a good idea because he had his brother do the logo, but it was going to be this, mm. and then in real real small at the bottom, I still have I still have with the figures, so they're going to be really tiny at the bottom, right. That's sexy. And I, thought, and I thought that was funny. And uh, I did it in color. And, this, and I mean, it's Frank Miller, so I'm not going to, you know, he knows more than I do. So I'm just, I'm, I remember okay. seeing that logo in, in places very, very, very early on, like probably a black and white ad in one of those Dark Horse promos. And I think it was Nixon leaning up against it or standing in front of it or whatever, but it was that tall vertical logo you just held up. That's that's fascinating that that's your logo. Yeah. But I mean, like with Frank, it was just it was like I'm not gonna. You know, as, as it is. I the, just, what I'd like I to see so is uh, I'd like to see a new edition of Big Damn Hard Boiled, and let's get that logo out for a new cover of that, <laughs> and uh, we'll all be happy. <laughs> well, no, I liked you know I liked I liked it. I just, you know, who, who I, was, I didn't mean it to be that. Who was Frank Miller's uh, brother? Like, I know, I know that he, Stephen, uh, would, Stephen, he, Stephen Miller. Yeah, he, and he did a lot of Frank. I think he did the, Sin City. the splatter thing. That's him. And he's done most of Frank's logos. Yeah. Yeah. Was, was he involved uh, in, in, in fandom? And is he a, is he a graphic designer? Like, like how, how does. Not that I, not that I know, and I don't remember. Because this is good stuff, you know, has good kerning and all that stuff. It's very professional. It's also really good stuff in the sense of put this on a on a wall next to a bunch of comics, and this one is going to pop off. Yeah, you know, it's very uh, stands out, and that's that's what I always think you want in a cover. So it definitely pops off of the wall. Yeah, I, I never thought of. To this day, I don't think I'm good at covers. I, um, you know, I, but that was the first one where I heard the whole thing of. Uh, you know, it won't fit in my box, right. yeah. so I didn't buy it. <laughs> yeah, which which persists uh, yeah. to to this day that? to some extent. Some stores for sure. Uh, and and the cl colors. Uh, how do you say it? Claude Legree. Yeah, yeah. Who's who was the wife at the time? She was the wife of this really amazing artist named uh, uh, Christian Rossi. Really good. He he worked with Mobius. He he did some. Uh, some comics that that Bandesini uh, that that Jean wrote. These works to this day really really amazing. 
And uh, you, you you were goodly enough to send us a bunch of script pages from uh, the first two issues of Hard Boiled, and uh, pretty pretty spare scripts, pretty straightforward. Uh, definitely not talking about like uh, all the crazy now, stuff that we get to see in here. You know those that that the, these first two pages were added afterwards. Uh, this is the first page. That page with him. That's the first page I ever did. And How? I, I, then in fact, there's a self-portrait of me on there. That's <laughs> me. And there's Betty Page, which I thought was, and I, I, uh, this is a page that I copied on a giant poster board, oh my God. and I don't have it. it. It hurts me to to know that I don't have it anywhere that I could see like how bad my copy would be. But how on earth could you get this as your first page and not make it your first page? Yeah. Like even a cover, like it's the most strike one of the most striking images in comics I've ever seen. And if you opened a book and saw that, I, I mean, you well, have you, to go home with it. You know why? Let's hear it. Just go back to the first page. First panel. The reason is right there on the lower right-hand corner. That robot dog. Frank, I kept drawing. I had a bulldog at the time, and I would just draw him. If I wanted to fill up some space, I'd put a bulldog in there. Because he's sitting there, and I know I'd draw him. And it bothered Frank. And he said to me, well, how come there's so many bulldogs in, in this thing? You know, Frank, bulldog, is the dog of the future. <laughs> And it bothered him. It just—it's—it's it's like you know that thing where you know, that threshold of, of believability. It and he said, "Well, I've got to explain why these dogs are there." And so he said, "They—they became um, later on. You see it. They become like uh, cameras, like CC cameras." And so they were following him around. So what? So we have to—we have to let people know that they're robot, robot dogs. And so he added these two pages to explain that dog and now is there is there well I'm, there's no like because i can't see i don't have the comic with me you I know didn't the, have any, i didn't have any like exhaust come out of the dog's butt did no I? fumes that would have been that would have been a really no nice fumes, choice no, no piles <laughs> it, it would have worked i'm sure i do that more now so <laughs> that's, that's how my art has progressed i now uh, methane has become an important part of my process <laughs> you know you could imagine these two pages happening as like pages, I don't know, four and five, let's say, you know, like if we had gone this page and a two page spread and then come to this, it seems like that would have worked. You would have, you would have got sucked right into this action. And then you would have heard, oh boy, we've got, we've got a problem with this guy, you know, and it would have given us some context there, but it's just such a, man, I, I love old splash pages. And on, and on top of it, you know, that, that, uh, <laughs> I had done it. I go, I finally finished the first issue. And now I got to add two pages. I go, oh, man, <laughs> you're killing me here. How, yeah, how, do you remember how long it took you to do uh, each issue? Uh, no, no. Did they I come out annually? Oh, no, 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 no. The first two came out pretty close to each other. It's between this, the second and the third one, which Frank addresses, you'll see on the cover of the third one. Uh, but I never thought I was slow. But I, I, was, I, I was working at a European pace. And, uh, and generally, they did like one book a year. Right. But I think they had two of them in the in the, uh, the can before they because they came out like I said fairly recently. But this was these were the first couple pages I because I I work, was working on this thing and I wouldn't show Frank anything because I thought oh if, I, I kept thinking once he sees it he's gonna they go well this maybe maybe this isn't a good idea 
because we had talked about doing other projects together and um you know what a what a reveal this would have been if you're frank miller and you suddenly get your batch of pages and this is what you're looking at <laughs> like i can imagine doing like backflips or something whenever you would first, see these the first three or four pages is what i gave him in pencil and he was at this point because he he you know he decided he don't want to do it for dc or or, or, or marvel and so um he was actually paying me i was going to ask about the business model of this and how you sustained yourself and uh, he was going to, I don't remember how much he was paying me a month. But <laughs> at one point they go, we got to look. Cause I wasn't producing fast enough for him. And I can understand. Cause, I mean, you know, he's, you know, he's, he was doing fine, but he was a rich man and paying me, I don't know how much it was, maybe a thousand, thousand dollars a month or something, maybe, maybe 2000. But I, I think it took me like, I think in that first month I did, 10 pages maybe that's a lot it yeah, certainly it doesn't sound bad at all yeah certainly for this style yeah but yeah but i was just trying to figure it out i mean i look at this stuff and it makes me cringe uh because it's just and i don't i didn't i didn't know what the i still don't i didn't know what the hell i was doing i mean then you go back to that other that that car thing that that previous page with the that thing i look at it go, oh god this is wrong and that is wrong and that, and that. The only thing I'm still kind of happy with is the fire escape. That thing is fucking crazy to draw. Fire <laughs> escape is just the worst, man. Everybody's that sitting at home watching this going, just the fire escape? That's the only <laughs> thing that's crazy to draw? Uh, no, because it was because it had to be real. The rest is all just made up. So, But that was real. But I mean, it's probably, I, I don't know. I wonder if people, because I mean, I... I have a tendency to bury the action because I mean he can barely see him in there, right? Which I I kind of like, but and it bothers me because then I get that I, it really and it really bothers when people call me where's Waldo. Yeah, I can yeah, remember that's that's. But, but I understand it, but I I just don't like it. You know, like um, I look at this and I think. <laughs> When I see this guy's being run over and like his insides are spraying out, it's almost um, b like Bill Elder. You know, it's it's the chicken right. fat because like I bought this off the stand, you know, like whenever it came out, I bought it and I had never seen anything like it. So I spent so much time of like open up the, you know, going back through each page and just pouring over the pages and they would re reward it. And it was kind of that Will Elder-esque uh, thing of like, I'm going to put fun stuff everywhere on this page. So if you want to spend half an hour looking at it, you're going to get rewarded for it. It's just that it's a little bit, you know, it's a little different tone than Will Elder. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's not like a little mouse running with a piece of cheese. But it has that level of detail of like, yeah, just study this thing and, and really enjoy the detail work that you put into it. And I think this sums up that kind of detail really well. But I it was funny. the excess is so over the top. The black blood was something that I would go on to love in Outlaw Comics. Mm -hmm. It's very effective as blood as a graphic element. But this might have been the first place that I really saw that that level of like black blood just sprayed everywhere. Well, see, I got it from Akira uh, uh, because I I I wanted to, I wanted to have blood and I wanted to do the spray and I really wanted it to be red. And uh, Claude Legree at the time was pregnant and she was coloring it. And she said, if I do it so it is blood, I, it makes me sick to my stomach. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
So I, I was going to, after that, I, I started filling it in, making it black. I was just drawing it like in, in shapes and stuff. But, it's so hard to picture it red. I know what you mean. Well, but we did it. We did do it on the uh, Dave Stewart. Do it, and I, and I you know, I, you know, we disagree. I, I know you like the color. I like the color of the Dave Stewart one. This one, there's parts of it. I mean, because I didn't have, I didn't have any say on the color really. Right. Because I was in Los Angeles and she was in Paris, and she had done this whole first issue before, before I saw it, and it was all blue line and those you can't. You have to do the whole thing over. And I didn't have the heart to say, no, this right. isn't what I want. Right. Uh, the thing about the uh, black blood, though, is that uh, because there's not lighting yeah. on everything else, uh, yeah. your eye draws right to it. Certainly yeah. when you see it in black and white. So I could see how that could be a thing that you would want to see made uh, made red uh, yeah. for the gestalt of, of the whole page. But Jeff, one of the big revelations, uh, getting to know you and getting to know your process a little bit better, is that uh, for each page of comics, there's at least two pieces of uh, original art. There is the pencils, and there are independent inks that are done on a separate piece of paper. So you're, in effect, drawing these pages twice. And, yeah. and was that the same process uh, for, for this thing? Yeah, yeah, I, I you know... I, I I think the inking because I I don't think it looks I like looking at the pencil drawings and I'm holding them in my hands but then when I when I see them printed I, I just I'm not convinced and I remember I told this story I, I thought well maybe I'd be faster if I did because I know Frank quietly that's how he does it yeah and maybe I can do that that way you know I can turn more stuff out and I actually asked uh, um, my colorist at the time of Peter Doherty. He said, no, no, you, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work for you. And so I gave up. I said, well, that must mean that my pencils don't look very good. On this, on, on this book, um, at God. some point, didn't you do each, each panel in its own well, they're, page? They're all, yeah. Especially as it gets on, it gets crazier because every panel was a separate sheet of paper. And what These was what was the purpose the of that? Size, look at the size. You see <laughs> right, it's a little squatter, a little smaller. Yeah, <laughs> God, that's a horrible drawing. That explosions. But, but that's, that's not too bad though, because that whole thing, that whole orgy thing, all, like all none of this stuff is in the script. You're just, right. I just like the whole idea of uh, the horribleness of what's going on, and. And no one seems concerned, though, because when I read it, and Frank said that he's like, he's a, he's like a tax collector, and that's the most important thing is collecting money, <laughs> not that this horrible, you know, Texas Chainsaw Marathon sex orgy is going on. That's funny to think about, and in, in, in a lot of ways, maybe the book's more relevant today than ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, did Frank once he saw some pages? Did he call? Did you guys have a conversation? Was he like? Well, I I'm going to have to adjust the script. Him, I showed it to him and Lynn. And I remember it was so sweet because they called me back and they were still thinking and talking about him. And they said it just wasn't what we expected at all. And uh, But he did go back and he told me later because he said he would like pace around the room. He goes, what am I going to do? It's, 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 you know. 
it's some of my favorite collaboration with with Miller has that quality because I think Electra Assassin has some of that quality where and, and Miller and, in interviews would talk about like rewriting that once the art would come in and I feel like this book has that similar uh, process you know it's like here's the concept and then you get the art back and Miller has to then like go back through it and, and rethink it and in a way I think it's the apex of the Marvel method where like you really are make words that that work on art of this power right well yeah because i mean you know and frank gosh he was so patient with me because i mean you know he we'd always have this thing he was always trying to get me to go faster and i'm just you know like, well it's, you can you'll make more money but i just i couldn't you know i just couldn't do it were you so, in were you in france what, oh what? no no i was i was i was in i was in uh los angeles i moved back and and we had been friends and uh maybe i've Excuse me if I told you this story, but we never, I never talked. I would, you know, I, I never asked him to write anything because I, I didn't think I was not, not Dave Gibbons. I'm not, obviously, John Luther Jr., any of those guys, and not of that level. And uh, he asked me one day, I remember we were standing in the corner right near the, because uh, he used to live downtown in a loft in Los Angeles near Little Tokyo. I sat in the corner and he just said, would you ever draw something written by somebody else? And I said, yeah, yeah. He goes, would you do something that I'd write? And I said, yeah. <laughs> and he said, well, what do you want to do? Something with a lot of action. That's what I said. Like I've brought this up before. He came up with a few different things that were related to Marvel. And there was actually a kind of a version of Superman that he talked about doing that he was going to do with uh, Steve Gerber. And it was going to be called, um, I think it was called Soldier. And it was like Superman told, like, if that actually happened. And, but then Steve know, he was involved in this, that whole Howard the Duck lawsuit thing. And it was just hard to get him to nail, nail it down. And so we gave up on that. Jeff, Dark Horse describes it as uh, hard-boiled as reality through the eyes of a psychotic cyborg. So I like to imagine psychotic cyborg came into your discussions with Frank early on. No, no, he was supposed to be, uh, no, he was supposed to be a human being. And when Frank saw that page, especially that page where he's covered in the barbed wire and he's got the broken fingers, he's got the glass sticking out of him. And he said, there's no way a human being could survive that. It's a comic book. And I, I, I'd been watching these John Woo. I was very influenced by John Woo's A Better Tomorrow and uh, uh, The Killer. And in those movies, guys were always getting shot to pieces and they'd still at the end walk away and let's go have a beer. You know, they got seven bullets in them. And I go, that's the kind of guy I'm going to draw. And, I mean, this is the average wrestling death match result here, man. <laughs> like, like we, we see human beings go through this uh, pretty regularly. Hmm. Every, every once and again, man. Uh, you know, Jason Cage comes to mind, man, where he gets a uh, artery hit snipped it, right, or hit something, a blood vessel. and then, yeah. then it has to get uh, life lighted, but it happens. I was, I was accused by um, once of that gun, his gun being ripped off from uh, Blade Runner, and it really bothered me. And I went and looked at it, cause, and I go, no, it's not. Because, I mean, I, I only saw Blade Runner once, once. Yeah. But actually that gun, my idea came from, a, it was a Harlan Ellison uh, Outer Limits episode. Oh, I know I the one. I think it was called Soldier. Yeah. And he had this gun that no matter how you took it apart, it was still a weapon. 
and I drew that thing so it's a shotgun and it's an automatic and it's got a revolver and it's got a little bayonet in it. But anyway. <laughs> That's the other thing, man. Like when we talk about the the fantasy of making the cartoonist trading cards and on the back having a matrix of like all the attributes that goes into uh, cartooning and you could have various levels of any of those things and become like, you know, master cartoonist. Your design sense is incredibly high. Like look at this ambulance. Uh character designs technology like easily, easily imagine the wachowski seeing this and saying like yeah, uh, well, yeah. let's let's, well, let's that, frank as well explain that what is this machine why why is it <laughs> and i go well, look it's got a it's got a, a protein delivery the babies were protein and they they'd, be, they'd all be turned into in my mind into some kind of fluid that's being injected into him hmm. and then you had like candy and i think there's pop and there's yeah soda. some pepsis and shit and you know, and then they had these little. Is there is there what is there like a little? The little mermaids with the uh, Popeye tattoo. Okay, I was gonna say uh, I know I put Popeye in there somewhere. <laughs> Did anybody push back with having like recognizable logos like Coca Cola and Pepsi? Did any of the editors or Dark Horse oh, or Frank yeah, have worries yeah. about that? McDonald's. In fact, to this day, I never thought of it. I don't do it now, but back then, I. That's that's the other uh, piece to the to the matrix of the Jeff Darrow uh, Gestalt is incredible letterer, incredible wow. lettering, man. Uh, the facades of his buildings have great signage in perspective, <clears throat> fluorescent lights, oh, it's, it's uh, just kitschy logos. It's just perspective. It's all just observation and good graffiti. I was thinking early on here, uh, seeing shades of like Stephen Platt must have been a fan of this book. Oh, sure. You know, all the shell casings Absolutely. flying through the air. And then I got to love the, the Williford reference. That's his. Um, you know, yeah. Charles, Charles Williford, the, uh, the pulp crime writer, uh, a great writer for anybody that likes yeah. crime fiction and hasn't read him. Uh, is that something that you and Frank would oh, talk about? Yeah. yeah, we both read uh, the, the, the Hope Mosley books. Mm -hmm. Have you read those? Yes. And, uh, so we, we both really liked him. And so Frank, that he just put that in there because we both liked him. I, I was really, I was happy. I was surprised. I mean, I don't know if you know, but, but he supposedly wrote one last hoax uh, story, Williford did. Do you know this story? No. I, if, if you read them, they're really, they're pretty, just, they're pretty depressing detective stories. And supposedly the last one, and his wife has never let it be printed. The last one, supposedly, the character uh, goes out and he kills his wife and his kids. Oh you know, man, loses it. Wow. Because I mean, if you and if you look at it, the other ones, because his life, the character, and that is, is in such a downward spiral that it kind of. But God, I, I just don't want to think about. It. <laughs> and I really like the character. They're, if you haven't read them, they're really funny and they're. They made he, one of them into a movie with um, Fred, uh, Alec Baldwin and um, Fred Ward. Fred, Fred Ward, uh, Miami Blues. Yeah, I think that's the first one in the series, the, the first book in that series. Um, I think it's Sideswipe is maybe a little bit later in that yeah. series. Yeah. One of the strangest structures I've ever read in a book. And I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but go read these books. Like, they're very, very fun. They're like, like nothing else you've known. Yeah. Like all this stuff, like on this page here, that was all stuff that I think that, because Frank said to me, you know, you've put all these things that uh, um, worth them, <laughs> like pointy objects going into people's eyes. And, uh, so, so are are your characters based on 
Do you have somebody in mind when you're drawing no, well, various people? Like I said, when I was drawing him originally, I, I thought of Charles Bronson, but I couldn't draw him. And then I like Bruce Willis, but I still couldn't draw him. Sure. I think he looks different all the time, but uh, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. There are peripheral characters that look like uh, people, and I, I guess I'll, I'll point them out, and I'll see, I'll see, see if anything comes to mind as we do. Such a like horrific moment. It's it's so tragic. You know, there's so much cartoon in this over the top violence, and then you get a panel like this, and it's heartbreaking. Sure. But look at this man. That that that, that whole building, the architecture is is because. And it discovered, I think from the Batman movie, they mentioned it. And some guys, I think Dave Stevens as well, there was a guy named Hugh Ferris, who was an architectural designer, artist from the um, 30s. And there's a book, and this guy did these amazing pencil drawings of buildings that look like Metropolis. And uh, that had a big influence on me. And if you can find this guy's stuff, he's just so fantastic. And of course, he never made any of his buildings, but uh, <laughs> gosh. Yeah, our amazing Art Deco energy here, man. And, and it's based, some of them are based on old radios. Like that whole facade below the Williford, that's like that's like the front of an old Bakelite radio, I think. Would this be uh, the that those old Sears catalogs uh, manifesting from, no, from references to your work? Chronicle Books would put out things, and they had one that was on radios. It put like Art Deco, the buildings of... of, of in, uh, Tropical Deco was one of them. It's like in Miami, they have a lot of those buildings still. And I was looking at those, and they came out with one that was just radios. And I looked at that a lot because there's all these just dials, and some could be towers. Would this is I'm pretty happy because God, I didn't want to have to fucking draw that gurney. So I'll just draw the wheel. <laughs> right. But uh, would something as incidental as the wheel be one piece of paper, or would it be like say maybe oh, three yeah, panels? All those were super sheets of paper. I, I think I still have the wheel one. Because I sold a bunch of them. Mignola would laugh about it because I brought him. I had them all in a hefty bag. And I brought him to San Diego. And he has left because he brings out his garbage bag and he pours these drawings out on the table. <laughs> I would sell them for like $30 a piece or $40, $50. Makes I me want to buy like, Dynasty. Yeah. Dynasties. The hard-boiled artist people edition. Bring one. People will bring them to me every once in a while. Oh my! I haven't seen this in years. I still have some of the some of the pencil drawing. That's awesome. There. That's that's damn near a sentinel from uh, the Matrix. Yeah, yeah I, that's is. probably that's probably the image that sold sold them. Yeah, it's not hard to turn this into a nightmare. <laughs> you know, imagine staring at a machine like that working on you. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. If all I saw was this page, I would think, Jeff, that you had gone through some horrible medical experiences growing up of just <laughs> staring up into that bright light and seeing all these sharp metal objects pointed at you. <laughs> was there ever talk of Lynn Varley coloring this? You mentioned her and no, Frank looking at this. No, no. no, because she was probably as slow as I was. I know if Electra Sasson was late, it was because I mean she was you know painting those things. They, each one was literally a painting on, on, on those blue lines we always really. hear um you know frank miller after doing electra lives again was like not doing that style anymore yeah and, yeah. and now it makes me think lynn varley had the same reaction <laughs> yeah because i mean because we would sit there and we'd talk about stuff and go, well you know this and line clear and this and that and it was just I don't know. 
This this thing right here might be one of the more uh, disturbing things to me also because it's, it's like, is it a blood pressure cuff kind of gimmick on there, man? Is it full of air? Is it blasting or is it sucking? It's a catheter. Oh, my goodness. Because I'm thinking they've been operating on it so long he's going to have to pee. That kind of stuff always bothered Frank because I'd always – I was fairly scatological. Oh, it really bugged me. I had, I had, I had a, a answering machine. In those, you know, there were answering machines in those days. And I had one on there, and I had a message on there that they left a message: if you don't erase that that tape, we will never call you again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I referred to like, uh, hi, this is Jeff Darrow. This is Jeff Darrow. Um, I'm doing fine. My stream this morning was fairly. <laughs> Really strong, and um, I have a I have a strong, a, a, a fine a movement. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting enough fiber. Please leave your message. In <laughs> How about some parallels between this kind of obscenity and this one? Because you see both times, it's almost this crowd around just the human body and the exploitation of that body. I don't know if you thought about that at all, making it, but flipping through yeah. it now, I see so many of those, like, it's a repetition of that theme. Well, just, I think they're all doing this are. stuff to him and the people are eating and there's yeah. guys looking at magazines, the guy's picking his nose, there's this horrible shit going on. Yeah, but it's that, the entertainment. This day, to, this, to, to this day, I see that so much horrible stuff, and it doesn't seem to bother people. And I, I keep doing it over and over. It's like people seem oblivious to some of the, the mini horrors that are going around in the world. And this thing, uh, there's a movie called Barbed Wire. And uh, I was kind of the Dark Horse. It was based on that Dark Horse comic. And, and there's some scene in there that they wanted to use this machine. And they <laughs> they were going to pay me to use, use the drawing. I said, sure, what the hell, you know. Put Pamela right. Anderson in that gimmick? <laughs> yeah. Well, but the thing is, the first contract they sent to me, it was like, they owned the comic book. Yeah, they just, get the fuck out of here. Drawing. And I said, no, fuck no. Yeah, I fuck said, that no. shit, man. And, uh, but they used it. They, they, they just paid me. I signed no paper. They just used it. And I, I got a credit on it. And, uh, um, you know, I got paid for me. It was a lot of money. And, uh, yeah. Jeff, another another great strength of of your artwork and cartooning, and we see it here in this crowd shot, and certainly in the new Shaolin Cowboy, when you have these like voluminous amounts of people, is uh, you never are a victim of a same face syndrome. Uh, all your all your people look uh, much different, and uh, is that just drawing from your head, and you're just changing proportions, or yeah, uh, are there any secret tricks to that? No, just you know, observation and. Every once in a while, like, well, I watch a movie. I go, oh wow, that's a nose I haven't seen before. Ooh, because I'm always afraid I'm drawing the same face. Yeah, I, mean, I can't. It never draw happens. When I, when I look at Shelley Cowboy, I go, oh, he doesn't look the same from panel to panel. I've never really, even when, when they were doing that animation film uh, in, in in Japan, they, <laughs> they 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 drew him to look a certain way. That you know, well, yeah, that's good because I, I wouldn't have figured it out. If you go back like that one page, like there's one page in there, those, that page, the one with the cables, I was so relieved because I, I think I drew that in like, you know, half a day. And I was like, wow, I actually got a page done. hand with an Oh, and I get to draw gauges and I get to draw these wires. And oh, gosh, that was fun. 
Our videos are brought to you by the comic books that we make uh, in stores now. Hulk Grand Design just recently released. Uh, what else do you got uh, coming? Street soon? Angel. Street Angel Princess of Poverty is my next book coming out later this spring. You can pre-order that now from Image Comics. There's also Street Angel Deadly Squirrel Live. Together, those books will comprise the complete Street Angel library at this point. So for all you completists out there that want all the Street Angel Add Street Angel Princess of Poverty to your list. And The Plain Janes, first young adult graphic novel available wherever graphic novels and books are bought and sold. And you can join me on patreon.com slash jimrug to see lots more of my work, originals, download out-of-print zines and mini-comics, and see what I am working on next. Big announcement coming soon. I am chomping at the bit, and some of you know what it is because you have the Google fingers, but I just need things to be a little bit more put together a little bit more tight before I speak about it. Big news coming soon. Can't wait to tell you about that. But right now, Red Room Crypto Killers issue one and two are being offered to your local comic shops. Uh, so go ahead and put in those pre-orders. Also, go to your local comic shop. And we have put together an incentive uh, program with uh, the Red Room issues. It is it is a limited time offer. Your shop knows what it is, but you have a chance of getting some of the Red Room variant covers that you did not get. We sat on a little surplus of them because just when you hit the button to print something, there's a little overprinting. So these comics cannot be sold in a traditional way. It has to it has to be done in this other kind of way. Your shop is familiar with doing it. They do it with Image Comics fairly regularly, and we have this surplus stock that is very very limited. Go to your shop. There are two or three different plans that your shop can participate in to get these Red Room comics. But grab the new uh, Crypto Killers issues. It is the 10-year anniversary of Hip Hop Family Tree. Four volumes of that, three volumes of X-Men Grand Design. There's WYSIWYG. I'm serializing the new Red Room stuff on my Patreon. And the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel has a Patreon account. And the King Kayfabers get all of our videos before anybody else mitigates the Kayfabe effect. Uh, makes it possible for you to get the comics before anybody else and uh, that aftermarket can get pretty pricey now that we are done paying the bills let's get back to the video would the color on the page like this uh bug you because it is so i brown. like this i yeah. like the one on the left hand side that i know she did some really nice work it just wasn't i think it was the blood thing that bothered me the most right that's so interesting i had a conversation yesterday at a signing someone came up and they're like how does that go when you talk to Brian Boland about the color, the different colors in Killing Joke? And we've had this conversation with, you know, a, a few different artists. And, you know, Jeff, now you're adding to the conversation of like these colors and recolors and trying to sort that out. And I was explaining, like, from my viewpoint, you can see validity in both of those approaches. It's not that one is is terrible and one is great. It's more of like, what are you looking for? You know, it's the little details of like, yeah. I want this to be a certain way. Uh, you know, as opposed to like every single thing is wrong. Right. And, and it's not like that usually. There's a lot of bipolarity in, in the audience. Uh, and it shows up in our comments too. We're like, uh, I think we, we were looking at the ball and cover for, for Killing Joke and and yeah. com commending his use of reference with how he turned it into the Joker. And then in yeah. the ElfQuest 1 episode we did, commending Wendy Peeney for not using any reference on these cartoon faces. And so and people, like, I don't know if it's Asperger's syndrome, <laughs> I don't know where they're on the spectrum, but they're like, well, how can you like both? Right. And it's like, right. get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had people ask me what my influences are, and I'll bring them up, and I'll like Alex Toth and Hugo Pratt and Moby, and they go, well, you don't look anything like Hugo Pratt. Like, well, yeah, well, yeah. It doesn't, I mean, I like everything. There's... See that, that where you got your finger on that, right below that drawing, right below that, 
because I, I was working on that that page, and Dave Stevens came over and he wanted to ink that panel. <laughs> that, that's it. That's his. That's his motif, no doubt, man. Well, it, it kind of there was something about the drawing that he really liked, and he goes, "Can I ink that?" And I go, "Yeah, sure," but I thought, "Wow, he's slower than I am." So. <laughs> <laughs> how, how, how big would this panel be? Oh, I don't know. Gosh, probably twice up. I okay. Guess. Yeah. I think, and I thought too, if he inks that panel, people are going to go to this thing and all of a sudden they're like, you know, wading through the shit and then suddenly there's this diamond in the middle of it. <laughs> One thing I always noticed uh, in this issue is that whoever photographed this or mm -hmm. scanned it or whatever, there is a hair <laughs> that is got, that got yeah. printed on this girl's arm. A big, long fucking pubic hair <laughs> is printed on the goddamn book. I don't maybe know if it got cut between the layers, like if it's under the acetate of the uh, black line art or something. I remember really, really like that doing that thing in the middle there because I got to draw these little action sequences. That yeah, that's uh, full John Woo. Yeah, and like, oh, did I think he shoot some guy in the balls? Yes. <laughs> I, like that, I, like that, I do that goofy little cartoon spiral with the hand grenade. Right. I was going to comment on that. It's, uh, yeah, it's that cartoon language. That's it's a heck of a page. page. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Great, great yeah. color on there to separate the scenes. Jeff, were you drawing with, uh, like, felt tip pens at this time? Like the, like, yeah, micro? Yeah, I was, you know, I was drawing on, um, uh, I don't know if that if they were microns. I, I can't remember. I was the other day trying to think of when I started using those things. Yeah. But uh, now we got Nixon and his old lady fucking in front of the kids. Yeah. Well, they're not kids. Right. <laughs> this panel reminds me of um, like you'd see Steranko do the Nick Fury, and it's like, oh, when we do the sex scene, can't show that. Got to just show the gun hanging over the the, the chair <laughs> and the whole. It's like here there we're just is. showing everything. Gun and and sex scene. It's a '90s baby, Gen X. This is a really clever effect where you have like the two realities blending together. You know yeah. the, I don't know, dream sequence or or whatever he's living in one space, but then like that panel itself is actually like transitioning into this, I guess, fantasy or you know later time period. Really, an interesting effect from a comic standpoint. This is when I my my collection of porn at the time came in handy. So. <laughs> so she's a natural beauty. Oh, and this is where I thought, oh Frank, can we like have a, you know, that that you know, uh, give me liberty, and and hard boil their shared universe. Everybody's talking about universes and shared universes. So. That would be that time for sure. And I got to draw that hard thing of like people kissing in a comic. Oh, that's hard. Yeah, man. You yeah, know, how did they do romance comics? Because it is impossible, and romance comics have this 25 panels of this. Yeah, it's like you draw one face, and then you just put the eyes over here, and then that's that's like the shorthand. <laughs> that's funny. I was going to say, like, there's one pose, and if you look at some of the Charles Burns stuff, where, like, he's, like, has this clip Ten art panels. file, <laughs> like, it's the same pose yeah, yeah, for yeah. that. Yeah, it's exactly like... Same I, think, I, I think I put people's names on those because I can't. I don't have the comic. Here, let's see who you're talking oh, smack on, man. Let's see who you want dead. Uh-oh. Uh, and I hope I'm not getting in the camera too much here. Yeah, no? I'm seeing Cat on one of them. Oh. Okay, well, too many names. Well, Mary. No, then I guess I didn't because it seems like something I would do. But if you look in that other panel, because like this thing really, Frank, because I got this dog. It's my first dog crapping in a comic book, right? That's 
that is, you know, Wolverine's first appearance in Hulk, I think <laughs> this is just as important as the first dog crapping. And this, this is when Frank decided we got to explain these dogs. Right. And uh, I think he's got, I, I was really, really loved Paul Rubens, the Pee Wee Herman character. I put Pee Wee in there. Little girls got their Pee Wee Herman doll. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there it is, man. That would have been that era, too. My brother yeah. had that little pool toy. Would yeah. you do this lettering? Yeah, yeah, I did all all that lettering you see. It was pretty crappy. That's all me. This kind of this lettering is you. Yeah, yeah, and that that all anything that's is all in the artwork. All the lettering was done separately. By, I think John Workman did it. And there's my my uh, has a uh, homage to Clutch Cargo, one of my favorite cartoons, and the Batman movie. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that gimmick would be in the Batman flick. Because uh, I always thought that that balloon is still floating around because he just cuts it loose. Right. It's still full of nerve gas. It's going to come down somewhere. Like He doesn't give a shit. As long as it's not in Gotham City. It probably landed in Iowa or in Ohio, actually. Some very <laughs> pro pro profane. Yeah, right. <laughs> some just super profane uh, signage is a, is a, is a uh, Jeff Darrow trope, man. And, and Love Canals is pretty good. Uh, the only way it could be better is if the colorist made the uh, the sea, like the like. Like the sea in canals mm, right. was, uh, you know, the, the light it, burnout. It lost illumination. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the and the pup boys. That one, I like that one. I, I love it all, man. Um, the California thing, and I have a lot of idea that it's in California. They dropped these giant bridges, which is like the dumbest thing you can do. Because mm -hmm. at the time, I mean, I was terrified of earthquakes. And sure, one happened, and it was like that. The whole idea that they wouldn't give a shit anymore. They're just going to build these buildings, even though they're in a earthquake. Uh, so. Cover for issue two here. There's a note back here in credits as marketing director Bob Shrek. And Bob Shrek, I always think of as a longtime comics editor. Did you have intera any interaction with him at this time, Jeff? Did Like for marketing no. or promotion or anything? Do you remember no. what that was? Not really. I mean, I don't... <laughs> Frank was, you know, he's the he was the guy, and uh, I did a little. I remember we met with um, a guy from Rolling Stone. Uh, I think it's Gary Gilmore. Is that? He's a really famous writer, and his brother was. Uh, he wrote a book about his brother who was executed. I think it's execution. Maybe it's an executioner's song. But he was a really became a really famous writer, and he was the first guy to talk about our book because I brought some pages with. Frank and I met with him, and we had and I showed him to him, and he he talked about it in Rolling Stone. So it was a kinetic bloodline. I think they printed on the back of one of them. Yeah, stuff. yeah, it's, it's in there somewhere. Really, he really, really pushed it. And, uh, yeah, we'll find we'll find it. Who's it's uh, on? Uh, it's on issue one because if you get a saying, Rolling Stone quote, oh, yeah. like that would go. Uh, you that'd be the top quote. Sure, yeah. sure, but yeah. yeah. But, that, but that was about it. I know that that after the first issue came out, I was. Sitting at, I moved. I think I, I moved back to France at this point, and for issue came, two, yeah. And I came to visit, and I was at his house, and uh, he got a call from Rolling Stone. They wanted to talk about um, Harboy because they some comic store got closed down because a mother complained about the comic, and uh, I remember Frank and I'm sitting there and he's going, yeah, they're. And I was kind of surprised that he didn't let me talk to him. <laughs> they didn't talk to him. Mm -hmm. But, but uh, yeah. 
Because then the stuff that they were complaining about was stuff that I had drawn that uh, Frank, so Frank. No, I didn't do too much. I, I mean, I, when that comic came out, I was in France. I had no idea what, how people reacted to it. It was kind of a uh, coitus interruptus because I'd done this this comic and I had no idea what people thought of it. Frank was on such a crusade uh, around probably this time uh, when, yeah. when, when uh, you guys were working on the comic. That probably added some fuel to the fire. And yeah. I'm, try I'm trying to remember, there is a clip on on uh, YouTube that you can find right now. Dennis Kitchen is the guy in studio. And then there's this uh, doctor who's like, fashions himself as like almost like a modern day Frederick Wortham. I, it might be Larry King uh, doing the interview or something. I think it is CNN. Uh, Dennis Kitchen is going back and forth with this doctor guy, and Frank does call in and talk. And and this doctor guy is such on his high horse. What a, like, just such a fucking douchebag, you know, talking about, like, well, I read Red Pep comics and Archie comics and, and this kind of thing. I would like to say that now it is confirmed. The guy is guilty. He is in prison uh, because he, a part of the, like, opioid epidemic shit, he was, he was, uh, he's a Pennsylvania guy. Mm. He oh. was, uh, he created like a harem of wow desti destitute chicks, down and out chicks, fucking drugged them up and had almost like a cult of ch And this guy is on these old fucking shows with Dennis Kitchen. He's guilty. So this is no slander, libel, nothing. Uh, wow. And he is doing time, fucking feeding chicks opiates, trying to create a harem. But but don't don't read hard boiled. Right. Yeah. yeah right. Oh, man. There's a dedication here in the front. Yes. Giant Big Wally. Who is that? <laughs> I, I had two uh, desert tortoises. And one of them was called, I called him uh, Cadillac. And he was stolen. I kept him in the backyard and he was stolen. Oh, that and sucks. And the other one was called uh, Big Wally. And, uh, and, and as he got older, he got bigger. So, so I started calling him, or, or he got... It was big wall. He got bigger, so I called him Giant Big Wally. <laughs> Frank said, "What? You know what? Well, why Big Wally? Why? Why is he Giant Big Wally? Because he's bigger than that now. He's a giant now. And uh, <laughs> you know, I think I always shake his head. Lynn would shake her head like, God, this guy. I don't know. Would, how how big would a, a, a desert turtle? Well, they could. They, well, they they would get about. You know, I mean, he wasn't that big. They, you know, sweet. <laughs> yeah, but, and and they were just really, and you had to have a license, and and I got it from a a, um, a guy that because people would take them out of the desert, and they were disappearing, and uh, they would take them to these 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 people that raised them, and you could adopt one. So I adopted both of these, and I adopted one, and he would like he'd go in there and he'd ask you questions about <laughs> turtles and this and that, like it was like I was adopting a child, and uh, and he offered me to a baby one because it just had some. And that was giant big Wally. I think, yeah. I think eventually we dedicated one to, to Lynn's cat. Uh, uh, I know that I was going to ask you about the turtle because, because uh, I know that like sometimes homes come with them. Uh, out there in in California, mm -hmm. and and because there there would be I was these say it'll live for a while. Yeah, turtle. there'll be yeah. these hundred year old turtles mm -hmm. that have like always been there. So it's like and they lived. Me and a, a, my my girlfriend, a girl girl I was going out with at the time, her neighbor had one, and it lived under the house. And if you called its name, it would come out. Wow, I saw turtles mating one time at the zoo. Yeah, it's crazy noise. They make some noise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. shocking. You, could, find, you can go down that rabbit hole. Very on vocal lovers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's a very famous meme uh, video of a turtle in a shoe that you can uh, hear all those noises <laughs> and things on uh, the tubes. 
Jeff, this is madness right here. <laughs> and uh, explain to the people like what Frank Miller's contribution was to this bit. And what your bit, your contribution, well, your contribution is uh, very visible here on the page. Uh, and it is the difference between when some Batman writer writes some simple gimmick and now the artist has to draw that. Oh, I, you know, I, I, I don't remember complete. I just remember I was just trying to impress Frank so much and I didn't want to embarrass myself. And I thought if he said that there was like a an accident it couldn't just be like one car just like in the first one if it was there were like three guys dead at the beginning and i turned it into i don't know how many it's just like well bigger is better and so I, these designs how, how does something like this start out or does is it is it the I chassis of a corvette and then you start adding curves no i just yeah i might i might i might have had some toy cars i just look at the curves and i was looking at uh maybe motorcycles and uh, I think Lynn, Lynn Varley's father had a, uh, had, I don't know if he had a car dealership, but he had like a bunch of those old, they used to give out pamphlets when you go to a car dealership and they're beautiful. Very. And then they have like, you know, paintings of the car and like the family with the car and the things you could do with the car. You could, you could go camping or you could go antique continent and blah, blah, blah. And I, I looked at those things. And, and at this time, Batman had come out, and I was very impressed with the cars in Batman. And I didn't like modern cars because I think they all looked alike. And so I was—I mean, that his car looks like a big, a big old Packard or something. And then he had this ambulance, which I just thought—or it's a police car. Yes, a police on it. Thought it'd be funny that there'd be like little cars on the side that were like lifeboats, and they would <laughs> shoot off the side uh, when they when there was a crime. So they just—I mean. It, 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 I mean, it's a joke. It won't even fit under the bridge. If you look, it's going to hit that. <laughs> and I've seen that in Chicago. You'll see yeah. like semis, they, you know, they'll say 10, uh, 15 foot limit. And I just see the guys like, and you'll just see the front of the truck under the bridge and the back part just jammed into that, that bridge. Can opener. Oh, yeah. There's something great about these kind of designs too, because I feel like that's what my friends and I would do like elementary school yeah. long before we could draw well but it was just combined cool stuff totally you know have Put your missile launchers on, on the top of it <laughs> I mean, it's all just you know you it, i think if you have like something to run with like a uh anything you just if you get a little toy car and you just take it and you you, you ex, extrapolate on it you know you make the tires bigger you make it longer you make the 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 the, the hood shorter or you know it's just I love what you do with the sound effect for like the police siren. You know the There's words, go, the letters going up and down. It's a, it's a really great visual for you know trying to emulate a siren like sound. Totally, that's, that's a bit of a, a Richard Corbin uh, <laughs> direction with sound that uh, I probably picked up. Yeah. And I don't suppose you ever played Spy Hunter in the arcades, but that, but that's what this kind of piece is right here. Um, I mean, you remember that game? Mm -hmm, I do, yeah. I was just, I mean, Frank, that's in Frank's trip, and I was always thinking of those you know, those ninja things that they'd throw when they're running. So they're yeah, cow traps or whatever. they throw them out there, and those guys run around. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> so um, Cloud puts a lot of interesting coloring in, in terms of, like, shadows. Yeah. Uh, that that was done by her husband. This Chris, I mentioned he was married to a, an artist named Christian Rossi, and he uh, did the shadows for her. Yeah. So interesting. 
Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's it's kind of you know you get into that territory of like now you're drawing stuff as perspective. Yeah, yeah. It's like a legit, legit person. There's a way to do it right and a way to do it wrong. And Jeff set up the perspective so the colorist, you know, you don't want to fuck it up. Yeah, it sells that explosion really well. Now, Jeff, like we we talked with uh, Brian Balland on uh, about Batman Killing Joke and the, those first panels uh, in Killing Joke. It's it's puddles. It's 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 rain coming down and raindrops. He said he he never used white media. He he just uh, used used black and drew around. Did you use white on this or did you just draw oh, around? I drew around it. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Because I'm not. I just. I'm. I. I am not very. Uh, I don't think I, I have a lot of elegance and uh, just a real struggle for me to. Uh, I think my inking and stuff is all very unsophisticated. But I can turn back. The one thing I really liked about yes, that please, was, please. was that, that last panel because I just got to draw things. I like yeah. drawing real things. I got there's candy bars and keys and all that kind of junk. And that th those were always a relief for me to draw because drawing that other stuff like, you know, the, with backgrounds and things, it's like, God, it's so hard. Mm -hmm. Even at night to this day, I felt really bad because when those cars crash, I, 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 I couldn't do that now. I'd have to have a background in there. It is worth noting too that the Butterfinger parody is Buttfinger. Mm. <laughs> I'm glad you noticed. <laughs> now this is one. This is the first I remember seeing getting this issue, and I hadn't seen any of it, and and she just really kind of dialed it in, and I made her do this one over because it was just almost like one color. Mm. Like, oh, you know, I draw these cars and you got to put some da 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 and uh, goofy nuclear explosion. Because I, I always have things in my head of like, well, yeah, there's that, that bus. I don't know what it was. They had, there wasn't gas. They have like little nuclear engines. <laughs> of course, my great knowledge of science, if, if they hit anything, they would explode like an atom bomb. How many people going through their windshields, you know, as they're wrecking in? Jeez. And I did it once and I thought, well, I can't, it can't just happen once. Mm -mm. That's the thing. If you start something, then you gotta, you gotta keep going with it. Otherwise it's, it looks to me, it looks lazy. This is another Will Elder-esque uh, moments, you know, as you like follow various explosions as like people are blown out of their cars sideways with the fire pushing them out. And you're push, pointing at uh, fish dicks. Yes, which which is a joke that gets stolen by the South Park guys uh, 15 years later. So Uncle Jeff May is a pioneer. Yes, <laughs> cutting edge humor. Fish, pigs, cats. I think I think at some point there's like a dead cow along the side of the road. I think. I think. I <laughs> And then once again, they're big, all a bunch of cars blew up there. And he's like riding it on the top of a, it's so stupid. Three. And this, this page, especially the one on the, on the right, I had had a, I'd had a root canal done in France and they didn't do it properly. And uh, I had like, it's like that, have you seen those cartoons where somebody has a toothache and there's like the gremlin inside the mouth hitting right. you. Right. That and that's what it was like. Brutal. I could not, it was a weekend and I couldn't, um, I couldn't find a dentist. I just had to wait till Monday. And so I'm up, at, I'm up all night. I'm doing these pages when I'm up all night because I just I couldn't sleep because it hurts. So I, I often reflect that to, and talk about that on the channel. We're like looking at old pages. It really can be like your own personal scrapbook. Nobody knows, but like you can look at these pages and 
remember where you were in your life, what what sort of momentous things happen. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. Yeah. But uh, it, it is interesting how, how comics work that way for, for the person who made the comics, for sure. Uh, would you use, with this is like three-point perspective here, is a vanishing point up, way up high and then the proper you know vanishing yeah. points down below. Would you use the apparatus that your dad created for you to, uh, to get those yeah, uh, perspective yeah, yeah. lines yeah. correct? I had those little wings on the side of my table. That's why I was doing each drawing on a separate sheet of paper, because I, I was, you know, I wasn't sure if I would... Uh, maneuvering that large because these things were very large i don't draw that large anymore this so. is this does not have to be shown on, on the channel or anything but if you ever come across any photos of you and these these wings like i'm just in my mind it looks like some one thing but like i want to see you draw using that that tool to uh to to do your work i want to see what that looks like and i just wonder if there's a photo of something like that no i've never you know i've never i mean i, I did a thing and i was supposed to do a uh, they, a GoPro thing, they're like a camera, and I set it up wrong, and all you ever see is the top of my head. <laughs> I didn't want to do it anyway because I thought, well, you're gonna, you should pay me. You know, if you're gonna like film me, I should get paid extra. Yeah, it's a great two-page spread here. Absolutely. The pose, the pose of the old lady, man, is is something that I always love. Like just the cock of that head, mm -hmm. looking behind the gun, getting close to that shoulder. It's just really solid. Just like the vending machine in the back. Yeah. Yeah. And that was that was you know in the in the originally when Frank I'm, I'm sure I've told you this before originally, um, that was going to be a guy. He was going to be kind of like this young guy, this really hip guy, and because uh, it's it's the old you know she's like the new model and he's the old model. It's like the you know the young gunslinger against the old gunslinger, uh, and uh, I thought well what if the what if the young gun looks like. <laughs> like an old person so, mm -hmm. I, and a lady on top of it i thought it was i thought it was really funny and at that time there was all these like uh elizabeth taylor uh, try these black diamond my perfume absolutely i remember those commercials like, and i was like i'm gonna make her kind of give it a kind of a uh, elizabeth taylor vibe and i think that i think the t-shirt the sweatshirt i think it says godzilla Ah, that's cool. Because I know later on, he's wearing a sweatshirt and it says King Kong. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. A little subtext. Here's a, la here's a lazy page. God damn. Um, so put some fucking backgrounds in there. Uh, oh. Nobody's ever going to complain that, no. that you skip out on backgrounds ever. <laughs> it could <laughs> never happen. Makes me cringe. <laughs> Good stuff with uh, Nixon's body language as he's like just twisting and, and being broken into pieces. Totally. Torn apart. This is another one of those spreads where it was like, man, I spent a lot of time trying to trying to study every single figure on this page. This is the one that makes him want that big, big, dumb, big damn hard boiled real bad. Yes. Well, like I say, I've got, I'll, I'll bring you bring each one. I've got maybe 10 or 12 of them. Now you're going to get hit up on the DMs and fa Facebook a whole bunch right now, man. It's very true. <laughs> Was Pulp Fiction out? I see we got like a kind of a gimp bondage. Uh... Yeah, yeah, I, I was, yeah, because I, well, I lived in Hollywood and I could see stuff in Hollywood Boulevard. And, and I... Yeah, I bet. But just like so many, just everybody oh, I, has their I, own I, fashions I and designs. I lived in, I lived in Silver Lake and I lived near a place that was a. Uh, Silver Lake 
at the time, and still is, I think, was, uh, was a, uh, a gay neighborhood at the time. In fact, it was one that, uh, when the whole AIDS epi epidemic broke out, like two guys were just coming out of one of these clubs, and they got beat to death. Mm. Just guys pulled up in a truck, jumped out, and Jeez. one of them got away, and the other guys, they beat him to death with a fucking baseball bat. Ouch. But yeah, I, yeah. I was about the one thing that bothers me about this drawing is like that that car's too small. Which car? This one? Yeah, that no, that tank thing. This thing. This thing? Small. Well, oh, that thing is perfect. But yeah. I already drawing. It's like I can't, you know, I, I it does not register like that at all. It's like it's a two person thing. Like if you intended it to be like an eight person thing, sure. But if I anybody asks, two people fit in that. That's it. Emergency donut on their uh, on, on the screen on there. <laughs> In terms oh, of it's just right here. Yeah, I see. The police. Yeah, they're delivering donuts. I think that's what, what they're delivering donuts to the precinct or something. There we go. Now this this is where I I kind of took off. I think. No, but this part is it's after this where I start. I just sort of drew stuff that. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, you were not asked to do the domino thing with motorcycles. You chose to do that. And that that's that's from that's from uh, what's he and Pee Wee Herman. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. When he comes out, and knocks the things over. I thought it was. Hmm. <laughs> Back to the Japanese death matches. Yes, the eye rake. Maybe even. Uh, Jerry Jarrett <laughs> pulling that guy's eyeball out in the ring. Look at those freckles, man. Yeah, liver spots. Old, 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 yeah, old folks' skin. It's, it's really good. I have a look at my hounds all the time. Have I gotten those yet? Yeah, what year does that stuff start happening? Oh, God. The, the hair in people's ears. You ever see it? I was like, yeah, my dad's that guy. My, I pulled a hair out of my ear the other day. That's one thing. That and the, the, the nasal hair, that thing. Ugh. <laughs> look at these people they, they, this is hollywood and that's a, like a studebaker commander car there because i just love those cars the police car do you have a lot of reference for cars and things jeff i had i had like a tiny little like a die cast car that i looked at yeah i looked at those especially for the undercarriage yeah it's really hard the brakes and the you know the not the not the brakes so much, but the just the the chassis stuff that. Uh, I never got into model building, but I would always look at models. Like whenever I'd go to you know hob, the hobby shop slash comic shop, yeah. some of those early days, and just marvel at like how detailed that stuff was. Yeah. You know, it appealed to a certain part of my my brain. Right. Not something I ever indulged, but I can see how somebody, especially drawing something like hard boiled, how how that would be appealing to have that that level of detail in a model. I, I was at the. I've told you this. I was at Warner Brothers, working on what, the aborted version of Superman in like 2002 or something like that. And uh, I just about finished, and they said, "Well, we want you to meet with um, uh, his name, uh, Christopher Nolan. Uh, we want you, we'd like you to work on Batman." And so they arranged for you to go over to Christopher Nolan's house, and it was really neat. Because I go out there and he's out in his garage with his, his producing partner and they're building that Batmobile 
with Tamiya model tank kits. Mm. And that is the car that's in the film. And it's so cool to see these guys out there. They're, they're gluing these pieces together and, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're pirating parts from this model and that model and putting that thing together. That's so cool. Yeah, that is really neat. You always hear like that's how the Star Wars stuff was made mm-hmm. with like battleship yeah. Uh, yeah. pieces and things. Man, is this what the Hollywood buses looked like at the time when you when you were out there? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't it, it just looks so real. Yeah. This is my favorite thing in this comic. Is this? This is my gag. Is he wants to get his gun? Yes. And he looks over, and she's taking it apart. And I thought I thought that was a really funny gag, and it kind of sad. He's like, oh man. <laughs> It's such a three-panel comic strip. Yeah, on its own, <laughs> great sequence. Yeah. I'm breaking my arm, patting myself on the back. <laughs> on this, there once again we go on the right. I get to do my fist fight thing. <laughs> Just a bunch of panels of guys, a sequential fight. I forgot about it. Yeah, it's so good. That you see full bodies ball. almost the whole time, and... and I figured they were small enough they didn't have to worry about the background. Any no. referencing in something like that, Jeff? Are you looking at any mo- get busting out movie frames or belt magazine? I may have one of those Japanese uh, uh, Japanese um, uh, books that you can get that had some like fight stuff. That's in what it, I was but... thinking, man. Those black belt magazines would have like the whole procedure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I'm going to ask it again, just because, like, it would be astonishing to. No, like would this these little panels be a single piece of paper yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> imagine well, if this was the together. piece of jeff darrow art that you owned <laughs> I, I i would love it I, I would have it framed i might i have some of those i i, I uh so jeff God, but when i went to ink it that was the pain in the ass because i go i make sure that i got each one correct and fit on the page because so would you do an initial kind of rough and have all the panels set up, and then you would do individual drawings. Yeah, I think. Yeah. So you yeah. didn't like, like each of I these. Still got the sketchbook somewhere with all these things. Like each of these panels, if we looked at the pencils, are we losing a lot of drawing in the final version? You know what I'm saying? Like, did you no. did you that's, adhere to the no, border? That's, oh yeah, that, yeah. It was yeah. I had to because okay. it, it had to fit on the page. So it's yeah, not it cropped. Like, no, 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 no. Okay, good. Because I mean, I, I, Jeff, I can't. I have to ask a question because I can't put that past you to like draw oh, no, a whole city out here and be like, oh no, I got to pop it in this. I wanted. I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. But no, I'm, I'm crazy. I'm not quite that. You talked about Bonnie and Clyde earlier, and and like, let's take a look at what we're looking at this right here. To basically a Bonnie and Clyde shot. Man, I never thought of that, and it really comes through here and in issue one when nixon's getting just chewed up in the very beginning with the gunfire yeah it's interesting a lot of reference there this is also a crazy design because you look in and you can see like her terminator eye is exposed it's little nightmares that that, that was the one thing that bothered when i was doing it was because i think terminator had come out and i think terminator 2 had come out i'm not quite sure but i kept thinking god is this just another terminator you know rip off but there yeah, was something I, way back there there was something back there if you go back a few pages yes sir that piece with the car keep going yeah keep going further maybe it's this thing with the tie where is it yeah where she's on it i, I don't really and then, then the wachowskis kind of used it in the matrix that 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 I that page there, and like she reaches down and she's like holding on to it uh, with the yeah tie. 
I thought that was a good gag. Yeah. It is. Great physics on her being crouched like that, too. Yeah, yeah, using all torque mm -hmm. to yank on that thing. And, and this was like, I, as I was doing it, it was, I think of Buster Keaton. And there. Well, what the, what the possibilities were? Well, she's hanging on the side. Then what does he do? And he uses the bus to try to scrape her off the side mm. of the car. Yeah, genius. And, and I mean, communicating this in comic books. No easy feat. It's, yeah, it's a that, cool effect that, that, to do like the extreme perspective as she's like now being drugged behind and, and, and peeled off. It just, I mean, I like that, you know, I'm, just, I'm not saying I'm a genius or anything, but that, that, that six panel where I was so proud of myself. How am I going to show that, that truck that she's going to get, you know, scraped off the side. And I, I was so happy with that composition because you can't avoid it. You know that what's going to happen next. Totally. This is like uh, Batman year one, except uh, we don't have Batman like getting her out of the way at the last second. Right. <laughs> and then once again, I put the little uh, give me Liberty thing on yes. the side. Mm -hmm. right here. I wanted to, you know, product placement join packs yeah one of the things that i thought was really funny is this is another one of those great like these they're almost comic strips within a bigger yeah. bigger work but her getting punched in the eyes coming out because it's a cartoon gag the eyeballs <laughs> popping out except <laughs> your interpretation is such a different visual than that that classic cartoon trope is this a uh, toaster or or? Uh, that, once again, it's a kind of radio. Yeah. Okay. And I put the dinosaur in there. I kept telling Frank, I gotta, have, we gotta have a dinosaur in this comic. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I liked our RoboCop, the first movie. I go, no, no, they just have all this great action. You got a robot. You got all this action going on. There's dinosaurs. And at one point, there's that commercial for some new kind of car, and there's a dinosaur. And I go, this movie has everything I like. <laughs> And Jeff Darrow taking it easy, doing one-point perspective uh, mm. this time, man. Yeah, I bet people say a lot of, uh, call him call him lazy for that one-point perspective. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, this the, the design work, I mean, it's, we, I asked Brian Ballin this question uh, last week when we were looking at uh, Judge Dredd stuff, because, you know, he has to design all kinds of new crazy vehicles and stuff. Like, do you do any sketchbook work to kind of come up with this? Or it's just, just done on the page? I've done it on the page because I, I, I was so, I wanted to get things done. And I thought, well, I can do it in a sketchbook. And I just do it on the, on the, on the, on the actual Unbelievable. page. We talk to and unicorns on this channel. We sure do. Uh, Ed the Happy Clown making a little appearance here in a sign. Mm -hmm. Chester Brown's Ed the Happy Clown. And then I love this one. Sergeant Cock, I'm easy. <laughs> well, yeah, there's also a reference in there. Oh, yeah. See that thing that says black box? Yeah. Well, I don't know if I should tell you this story. All right, let's hear it. Let's pot up the audio. <laughs> well, well, I'm going to say... Well, listen, man, no pressure. Oh, but no, no, I mean, it's a funny because, I mean... It's. I think it's blanked out. Doesn't it? Does it? Is there something to say on the side of it? Is it? Is there a name? Dave. Okay. Or is it? Yeah, Dave's. Dave S. Yes. Do you know who that is? Dave Stevens Black Box. Okay. I. Okay. I see where this is going. Yeah. Because it's it, even. Because it because looking at it, it's actually it his signature. It, it was is. a reference. Yes. It was a reference to Dave's uh, uh, reference file. 
<laughs> uh, we called it the black box, and it was a thing where Dave, I mean Davis, um, I mean everybody knew he was quite, you know, he liked the ladies, and, and he's a handsome ass dude, man. Like yeah, you know, he's I mean, gonna get yeah, chicks was, when he had that I mean, Van Dyke mustache and shit like that. Like that dude, yeah, he's well, gonna get I, some puss. And he, uh, you know, he uh, sometimes he's prettier than the girls that he went out with. He. Uh, he had that, and he kept certain things in that, and the whole thing was, just, anything ever happened to him, a mutual friend knew where this thing was, and was just to go to the house and get rid of it. Good move. That's funny. Good move. <laughs> that was the thing, that was the only thing, I, was, I think I've seen it before, like, when I was younger, I was like, God, if something was happening to me, they'd find my, my porn collection. <laughs> I'm really going to be, uh... Yeah. Yeah, it's a good move. If, set, I, set if that up. I had one, if I had one, I'm not saying I did. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. You know, spouses and things can can be listening. You never know. No, my wife. God, my wife doesn't care. <laughs> you know what's probably bad is is uh you know like the baby boomers generation ages out and it's the kids that end up cleaning out the parents' oh. uh, stashes. Yeah, you don't want to know about that shit. <laughs> no, you don't want to no. see no gimmicks. And, and... No, yeah, yeah, I didn't want to know. What I, I knew. I know my parents had to do it at least three times, but that's as, <laughs> as far as I went. I, I have a sister who's eighteen years younger, man. So that was, it's crazy hearing my my parents Wonder fucking about, when I was eighteen. Well, Dave, Dave. I mean, he did this really beautiful drawing of the Rocketeer, and he's carrying Betty Page over his shoulder, and her butt almost looks like a heart. And he said he went. He went home once, and his sister was wearing that T-shirt, and he felt so ashamed. Because gosh, you should be wearing that. <laughs> there you go. Now we got this supermarket shot, man, with uh, nuclear apples. And I was going to say, like, that's some of the funnest stuff is seeing, like, the Franken food kind of. It's the little details, but it's part of what makes the world. It's the texture, Alan Moore calls it, you know, like making this world so rich. But, yeah, these... It's a different part of your imagination here. Now you're now you're making the uh, hard boiled version of the supermarket. Yeah, and we're talking about Burbank. We're in California. Like, you know, man, that the bougie California people ain't going to be eating this mushroom. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, see, I'm thinking that this because I was thinking of you know, Walmart where everything you can buy things in. Maybe not Walmart, but what are those stores you can buy like a hundred packages of toilet paper at once? Yeah, Costco. Yeah. Well, in this case, it'd be like you know, get these giant sodas and. And uh, Frank, we really like that stuff because I put those giant sort of things. And I think there's something in there. At the time, there was a boxer named Duran. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There was also a group called Duran Duran. And I think it was, I think it's somebody wearing it. It says Duran versus Duran. Uh, yeah. Boxing yeah. reference. And, and I was contacted by the band because they wanted to know if they could use it because they thought that I was a fan. Go, That's funny. Robot cashiers. I love the giant. There's a Pepto Bismol in that uh, huge family size. You know, that dude has some gastrointestinal issues, man. Makes sense. Uh, you know, like yeah. when did the thing? At the time, that's when they first started putting TV. It really bugged me that you go to the to the grocery store and you're standing in line and they'd have that TV set there with commercials. It's like, yeah, I'm like, give me a break, man. I'm already in here. You got my money. I'm at the. I'm not going to go back and buy this crap that you're advertising on your goddamn. TV. I don't think do they still have them, or do they finally get rid of them? You know what they have here now, man, is fucking TV when you're pumping gas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have those. Yeah, but back then it was like they'd have a screen at that. You know the fish dicks are now available in family size. <laughs> you know this kind of this kind of humor, right? With these big foods and all that kind of stuff. 
when it would be done in comics prior to this, it would be little Lulu or something like that. You know, it would be some kind of silly thing. You would never have like such realistic anatomy. Maybe the closest you would have would be Wally Wood things or, or Will Elder. Or, but like, you just wouldn't see this kind of exploration in, in, in comics whatsoever. Jeff, do you think about that as like, like there are mad magazine elements that you're bringing into this book? Is that something you were conscious of? Not really. It was just... I just, I, I, I thought this thing was just so real. I'm just trying to make things interesting for myself. Yeah. Uh, make it kind of goofy. And I mean, it was, it's, kind of, I mean, I'm not, maybe it sounds pretentious. It was my commentary on what was going around on that at that time. Just once again, bigger is better or more is more is best. And uh, it doesn't matter how good it tastes as long as there's a lot of it. This is, um, I think the date on the Indicia is like 1990. So I assume you're drawing this in the late 80s, you know, very early part of, of the year 1990. And it's kind of neat to think about it then too, you know, because like we grew up as, you know, children of the 80s. The 80s were such a, uh, there's a caricature version of the 80s that I feel like we kind of grew up, you know, in that aftermath of like the excess of the 80s, the plasticity of the 80s, like all these stereotypes and it feels like you can see that if you know the context you can see some of that reaction in these pages i i, think I like i like the robot girl because the robot, the robot girl is that's actually my wife and uh, i kind of made her kind of an astral boy i gave her that that their headpiece is kind of a car which i thought was funny the the um eyeballs feel feel manga ish yeah yeah because I, I wanted it to be like astral boyish and yeah it's so good because it's that precursor you know like uh with big guy and rusty like rusty fills the astral boy part of the, the yeah. energy yeah. Yeah. and this doctor's not based on anybody no just kind of a you know dreamy. that's one of those panels it was like oh god i can do this in a few hours thank god <laughs> i feel like i accomplished something even this one here i love this because i got to repeat the i think i just like you know, I, I drew it, I inked it six times, but it's the same piece of art, I think. We'll, re we'll repeat this conversation in issue three when we go to the to the uh, gr um, the junkyard scene yeah. and uh, talk about those those splashes. But like, so the grates on the ground here, would you yeah. eyeball that or would you like put a ruler down and measure out oh, millimeters? No. Oh, and things? Yeah, no, I probably at that time I probably did, you know, because I was so anal because I was trying to learn learn so much and and the best way to learn is to just bite the bullet and do it and i would you know do that thing where you know where you you know how you draw an x through a a, 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 a square to find the center you can do that in perspective mm -hmm. right make sense. Yeah, yeah 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 i think i probably did that with most of these but, uh, heck of a money shot right I, there I, I, I had fun drawing that one of the and the most mature drawing in this entire book to me is the one on the on the right because I actually have negative space. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, those yeah, I, don't, I don't know if I, I can't remember if I put those shadows in there or if he did. I can't remember. Like if you would have put them in there, they would have been in pencil or something. Yeah, they would have been in pencil and inked probably. Yeah, because it's very complex. Like I mean, it looks like Jeff yeah. Darrow drawing. Yeah, yeah, I probably I probably drew them out. But I enjoyed drawing the one on the on the on the the left there because once again I get to I get to draw a pair of scissors. Yeah, and I don't have to use any imagination because they just actually exist. So before we knew you, 
and uh, sort of how we got to know you was we did videos on Hard Boiled and uh, a panel like this. I remember saying like, I, you know, because we never spoke before. I was like, I, I think Jeff Darrow, man, he's, he's pulling in a different set of tools. I think he has a photographic memory. I think he sees stuff and just knows how it's built and and uh, or, or he has like kind of a, a sort of reference library that we just don't know about because it's like. Dude, that's the exact sync stopper that every tub had in like the 1980s and before. That's that's my Sears catalog. Yeah, my Sears a... catalog and my uh, I, can't, I have a book here. It's, it's, I'd have to walk away to just show it. But yeah, that's fair. It's a thing like if you look up police car, they would have a picture of a police car, police belt, and have a picture of a police belt. So I could I had kind of a reference to know what was on a police belt. And, I love the letters. I still have some of the letters. Yeah, yeah. We'll be talking about at least one letter in uh, issue three, <laughs> right, Jimmy? Yes. But that, yeah, that that thing, that last panel, that that uh, that was the cover for the French edition. I see. Yeah, and once again, this is your lettering, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah it's just. It's a fantastic skill that you have that nobody talks about. It doesn't show up in 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 reviews of uh shallow cowboy or anything like that but like there's amazing lettering that you do in perspective the, well, the kerning is correct if, if it isn't then it looks wrong yeah to me it can it can look really bad and there's me on the cover that's my head when i had hair yes me looking in a mirror and that's frank's uh little revenge on me because i i've told you this i didn't get the joke i didn't know what, i just thought it was like he was well he's late for an appointment but it was Frank. <laughs> it was a year. It was a year between issue two and issue three, and that that, that drawing is owned by Samurai. Samurai me. Nice. There's my dog. Got some voluminous letters, man. So they had to do like a three-point font. So there's one of the that one of the guys accusing me that I'm saying I'm drawing with my penis. That was one of my favorite one. <laughs> You gave away, a, it says, you know, a piece of uh, original art to the writer of your favorite letter. Do you remember what the art was? Uh, it was just a drawing of, you know, of Nixon. And uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know that he ever claimed it or because he didn't send an address. I'm trying to remember if he actually did send in that. Some things it would just send there in a letter and then they wouldn't have their address. Would uh, do, do you recall that favorite letter? Like some of the things that the, the guy said? It was probably someone that didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to give a letter to someone who's like, you know, those, eh, I think you're the greatest guy that ever lived on the earth. And if Jesus came back, he'd be your friend and blah, 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 blah. That kind of stuff. I remember the guys are like, you know, why, why do you have to draw this disgusting stuff? Because they they're going to get the drawing and get really ticked off. And yeah, exactly. It, 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 Tear it up and throw it away. The, the, <laughs> the only response to those kinds of letters is to be grosser the next time. Yeah, because I, I mean, you know, even in Shaolin, we, we have letters. And I, I never have gotten any letters like I got with this thing. Where, you know, where it's like, I don't know. I, I just always hope that I'd get, you know, those kind of goofy, you know, people annoyed by, oh, why is it so late? What have you been doing? You know, <laughs> I invested in this series and you're so late. And, so one you know, person who did not get... Uh the drawing for best lettering is a friend of the show. Jimmy, you want to point that one out? Perhaps read the uh, voluminous text yeah. of our dear friend. I'll read that. Point to that one, Ed. And it's, this is Ben Mara uh, and his letter. Looks like it might have been trimmed. 
because there are some ellipses on it. Yeah. But he says, I have one question for Jeff. Did he ever draw for cartoons? I remember that letter, but but I, I, I didn't. And I don't think I ever even... I used to see those magazines on the... On the, on the uh, they still come out. Yeah. yeah. You, you'll still see and, it and at like Walmarts and shit. Alex Toth used to do stuff in it. Oh, him. yeah. Yeah, there's a collection of his. I know a guy that, that you know, I went to art school with. He sold some cartoons to him. He was a really good cartoonist. And he did mostly motorcycles. With them. It's when weird. Did, there's, there's that one guy who shows up everywhere in like weird offbeat publications. He's never published in comic books, but he does comics in so many of the most like offbeat weird magazines. His name is uh, Jim Sergi or something. S-I-E-R-G-E-Y. And like he still shows up in, in that cartoons mag uh there's there might be two or three different kinds makes me curious to talk to him because that's a legacy you know what i mean like it used to be like that's cartoonists who make a whole their li entire career living of like just selling this stuff to because there were so many outlets yeah and at this point like there aren't many outlets and there can't be too many guys that still have that rolodex of like who's buying single cartoons of I, car yeah you know? i remember seeing his his work in uh this uh uh Joe Bob Briggs, the the uh, TV, the the horror host guy, drive-in guy. Yeah, his name is uh, John Bloom or Broom, and he was an editor of a kind of Christian parody magazine called the Wittenberg Door, and fucking Jim Sergi comics are in there. You know, like he did, like this that guy whole just, sentence. I feel like could be an episode. <laughs> yeah, that you know, that's my that's my big regret is is uh, thanks to Harvey. It put me on Joe Bob Riggs' uh, radar in like 2008, and I was like, really, we we're really trying to figure out like what the fuck we could do together because I love that guy. Like, I like I I grew up with mm -hmm. you know TNT sure. Monster Vision and stuff like that, but we just uh, the the economic thing happened and, and it just kind of fizzled out. And then he had that resurgence of his career because it turns out a lot of people miss him from TNT Monster Vision. He's on Shutter now. The Last Drive-In. Well, yeah, and, and I. I the, uh, George R. R. Martin wrote a letter to, I think it's an issue 19 of the Fantastic Four and it was printed and, and that's considered his first published writing that's amazing yeah it's amazing like the people who show up in those uh, in those letters columns and, and uh, I still see like when you see a CGC'd Fantastic Four it'll talk about the content but mm -hmm. if you look on the far right it'll mention like Steve Gerber letter or this person's right. letter that person's letter or if you look at if you look at those uh, gold key used to print like guys artwork that have yeah. a page of artwork and you'd see like right center you'd see Cockrum you see some of these guys with little drawings there wow and I, mean, I, and I wouldn't notice them at the time but later on because we, we had a bunch of them my brothers would read when they're eating and it kept them in a box and I remember I'd look at them too as a breakfast in the morning and go, oh my God Bernie Wrightson wow. Yeah, 2000 AD would work that way also. Like the next generation of 2000 AD guys, all of their, all of them showed up in the pages of 2000 AD when they were kids. I still remember the Shaky Kane Judge Dread drawing nice. from an old prog. Yeah. Here, here we are. Yeah, the junkyard scene and uh, there's the bathroom. That bathroom, I think Frank put that in there for me just because he knew how scatological I was. Right. <laughs> the best part, but it's like you got that cop from the first issue that's coming in. And he's like trying to, I think he's like trying to zip a house. That's right. To, but it took him an hour to get that gear off to use the bathroom. <laughs> doesn't that even look like it could fit through the door. <laughs> right. Yeah. Anyway. Junkyard sequence. 
Man, having having talked to you, Jeff, about Rolf, it's hard for there me not go. to see like a little little reference there, a little Easter egg <laughs> for the Corbin you know, fan. Every video is somebody's about. first video. So so like uh, this is Richard Corbin's Rolf, a separate video that we are doing on Cartoonist Kayfabe, or have did, depending on when you see this. Another splash you draw and everything you want to draw. I see audio cassette tape with the tape pulled out. Man, back in the day when you when we would be playing outside, you would sometimes see these audio tapes with yeah. the tape pulled out, just yes. like on the side of people's houses oh and shit. God. Remember that? Oh man, I yes, I, I had a Walkman as a little kid, and uh, I had plenty of those tapes. That you try, I'd try to rule them back in them with oh, like a put a never, pencil through the hole. Yeah, yeah, never. Yeah, it would it would curl up at some point. And, oh god, that was just we we go to take it out of the machine, you pull it out, and the spaghetti's gone. Oh my god, my favorite, you know, my yep. favorite cassette is ruined there you go so jeff t tell us about constructing this series of of images inside the junkyard uh i know that all this art you know this exists so so i still have that these one, are all yeah. drawings and that was it's the same sequence that's my animation background because <laughs> i call that a pull through where they'd do a long background and then you know, they'd pull like a car through it like they're just a drawing of a car and they just move it incrementally and it was the, the car never changed in perspective, but it, you know, it looked good enough to move across. And so I used that technique, but I drew that whole background was on a separate sheet of paper. Mm -hmm. And then the figures were on separate sheets of paper. And then when I inked them, I would just place them and, you know, and uh, move them around, move them along a little bit across that, that drawing. Yeah. So to explain it to the people at home, like notice this car here is moved yeah. over to, to the left a little bit. So Jeff had a master drawing so that he could keep all this stuff straight and then he would re-ink it. Yeah, because it was so anal. I mean, I could have, I suppose, just Xeroxed something. and. Which is what many, many cartoonists probably would have, would have done, man. And that's like I the just, remarkable thing with your work. It's uh, too OCD, I think, for me. I have it, but maybe that's proof I do. Readers pay attention to, to that sort of stuff, and, and they will they will mention that thing because they want you to bleed for for their buying dollar. They want you to bleed on the page, man, and they will mention like you know I see these two little dots of ink right here. They're this, on this this image also. Uh, you you copied the background. You're a hack, and it looks like John Workman now doing some of the sound effect. Lettering. Oh yeah, he did most of that. Yeah, that a lot of that lettering is him. I stopped at that point because I, but. I love this moment of ripping off like the flesh yeah. to reveal the robot. It's just, we're just gone now. It's yeah. just robot on robot fighting. Circling one another. This is my, once again, when I was a kid growing up, they had a, a, a game, a toy you could buy called Rock'em Sock'em Robot. <laughs> yeah, sure. And one was the red bomber and one was the blue bomber. And uh, I, I, for some reason, we never got one and I wanted it so bad. And so when I did this, I thought, you know, I said, I, I told the colorist Claude, I said, he's going to be red and the girl's got to be blue because it has a payoff. Because right. the, the whole thing was, you'd show these kids playing it. And you'd, if you hit the robot right on the chin, its head would blow up and, and, the, and the kid in the commercial would go, you knocked my block off. <laughs> you go through here, you'll see. And this was really cool to Frank because, I mean, it was, he was like, you know, he's really uncomfortable. Uh, with the sex here, the the, the Nixon guy, he's just like he, he still thinks he's human, but he's attracted to this robot. <laughs> he has a similar similar head to the to the girl in the. Uh... Jeff, I do have to ask. Just looking at 
behind behind where you're sitting, seen a lot of figures, a lot of toys. Like, do you have and or did you get Rock'em Sock'em robots? Uh? I never did get one. No, no. I remember I got to play it once. We were at some kid's house, some cousin's house, and they had it. And I should have got one because they just. I mean, the whole idea of being able to just, gosh, a robot. You know, you get to fight with it. There was like an '80s '90s version where they kind of updated the robots and made them look a little bit more gnarly. Same these were, they're real blocky. They had like a square jaw. They're really pretty funny. Yeah. But there we go. She's really just incredible. Now I, I haven't seen the. Um... He's got a clock in his forehead. I don't know why he did that. I thought it was funny. <laughs> For some reason, <laughs> under the skin, you'd have to have a clock. Now, so much know. of this background really does get pushed back from the very, very dark colors in this version and is that something that that you're you're okay with like did this oh, get no, it, changed it, it, it printed it printed too dark yeah and it's funny because I, uh, I, I I digress so much but I I, I had um, I lived in a neighborhood and I uh, and it was a neighborhood that Sam Raimi lived in I mean not that I was but it was in Silver Lake in, in Los Angeles and it was in a, a, a Best Buy, not Best Buy, but it was a Circuit City. With the Circuit City, it was they sold TVs and this and that. And they're kind of like Best Buy of the time. And um, I'm in there, and here comes in Sam Raimi with his producer Robert Tabbert. And um, he uh, he invited me to uh, to a party because uh, they recognized me, and we talked. And uh, I forget what we were talking about. But he he has the uh, um, he invited me to his house uh, for this party with with John Woo. This is where it comes because he was going to start doing this movie called Hard Target, and uh, so he said, "We need to come to the party." I go, "Wow!" I mean, Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell shows up, and John Woo. Oh my God! And so I'm there, and and John Woo asked me, and he had just finished a film called Hard Boiled. Mm. And he had seen the comic book, and he said, "Did you mean it to print that dark?" And I was like, <laughs> "Wow!" I mean, it's one thing people notice it, but don't fucking John Woo notice it. <laughs> but when they reprinted it, they printed it lighter. But uh, yeah. yeah. And then also at that party, it was because I had the cover, that cover with the head. Yeah. And I gave, I gave that part to Sam, and I gave the back cover to his producer Rob Cabert. And then he later put that in his movie, The Quick and the Dead. Yeah, the shot the shot happens in the movie. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> so here's the big payoff for Frank with my bulldog. See, you <laughs> knocked the block off the robot. Ow. There you go. <laughs> I got the rock'em sock'em robots thing out of my system. Beautiful. Great camera <laughs> angle on, on that bulldog. Makes me think of the Steve Scross... Uh, commentary in the in the lead poisoning uh, Jeff Darrow art book, <laughs> and there's my you see I think uh, Marge Simpson's in there. She's carrying a. Uh, oh, there she is, man. That's oh, there's it. a couple of couple uh, Marge Simpsons. Yeah. It looks like. Yeah. This is the one, where, and later on, there's another Simpsons episode, and this was stop me if with this story. No. As at San Diego, and this guy comes up to me and he says. Uh, do you like The Simpsons? I said, yeah, I love The Simpsons. I said, well, well why do you ask? He goes, well, because Matt Groening, uh, he likes your work and he'd like to come to talk to you, but he 
saw the Simpsons represented in the comic and he thought maybe he didn't like him. And I said, no, I put him in there because I like him so much. Because Later on, you'll see I put Bart Simpson on a crucifix. <laughs> yeah, time, earlier I saw Lisa Simpson on shirts and stuff. Yeah, well, and I thought at the time they had so much Simpson stuff. The one thing they hadn't done yet was to was Bart Simpson as, as Jesus. They, 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 they merchandised the hell out of that thing. So that was my joke. But I said, no, I love it. So then, then Matt Graney came over to talk to me. <laughs> Jeff, it's a character like this that, that makes me feel like this has to be somebody. No, I was thinking of a kind of an Einstein kind of guy, I guess. Not really anybody. And that's actually based a little bit on the French subway system. I see. <laughs> it's well, so easy to get lost in these there, kinds yeah, of crowd this drawings. This is the one. I think this, yeah, see, there's Bart Simpson on the cross. There. Uh, okay, where where is it? It's on the page on the right, the first two panels. Oh, yeah, there he is, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I just like the idea of like him tearing that guy's arm off and killing him with his own arm. Right. And I really wanted to do well later on I'll explain it. As my the lazy going chair. Because when I when I was a kid, the first piece of furniture I ever bought was uh I was living in Chicago and I finally got an apartment and it was around Thanksgiving and they have these chairs called Lazy Boys. Really popular brand of leather chair and easy chair and uh if you bought one you got a free turkey or <laughs> bought one it was like 150 dollars which was a lot for me at that time but i had a nice chair that i could watch tv and sort of thing you pull the lever on the side and the bottom comes up like a about as effective as the the, the leg rest in a on a united airlines flight but that always stuck with me so i thought ah, i put that thing out the lazy goy like he's he's so fat and he can't really move so he has this machine yeah smart like and, and it's also one of those pieces that made me before i knew you think about the um the potential mad influence because there was that great wally wood strip very early on where it's like the people of the future and they all have those like little uh tricycles or whatever and yeah. they can't do anything for themselves and that's like their downfall Nixon on the subway. Good looking subway inside and out. Some yeah. cool graffiti on the outside. In the era where you cannot Google that, you know, like, like, uh, what was your reference library like, uh, Jeff? Would you, would I, you? I probably, I probably went into the, uh, and that was tricky at the time because there was, there were certain terrorist things going on in France. I probably took a picture of the, the interior of the subway and the interior of a, of a car. And this is, I got one on the right. I think these movie things. Yeah. Is there one? Is there a couple of Nazi wilderness family? Because <laughs> uh, there used to be these movies that would come out that were um, like Christian films. It would be like some family goes out west and they befriend a grizzly bear that grows up to be their best friend and they have all these Christian values and all this shit. And I came up with this idea and it's in there somewhere. But I guess what? like a. Like the Nazi world and his family, they go, they go west in search of you know uh, uh, people to uh, put in death camps, and they're they're rewarded by you know the, the, the genocide of the uh, Native Americans. <laughs> One of the pieces that is in here is certainly very rooted in the time period with which this book uh, was released. Man, vanilla dice clay. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Hickory dickory dock. 
Now, now this is where I Frank stopped me. When this starts here, where she hear this crash, I was going to draw this whole fight. I had this thing all figured out with, I was going to have, it's going to start out with, I don't know, maybe one panel and then two panels. And there would be more and more panels because my idea was that by the end of it, the panels got so small with so much going on in them that you would have a headache <laughs> looking at it. So that at the end of it, you'd feel like he looked at the end of it. And Frank said, Jeff, if you do that, it'll never, ever, ever get done. So the result is that double page spread. I never got to do that. There you go, that thing. Uh, that, yeah, that panel there on the, the right side. That's... Let, me, let me ask you, like, do you agree with that assessment? You know, he's from the outside looking in, like uh, waiting for pages I, to come down. Do, I, do, you, do you think you could have done I it? Volunteered, I volunteered. The French were going to do about about 10 years ago. They were going to do a re-release of it. And I volunteered. I said, I'm going to, I'll do that sequence. And I'll put it in there. And they being, no, that's okay. Why would they? Yeah, it's it's uh, a crime against comics. And, and, and Mike Richardson, you watching or what, man? Well, I don't, I, I don't know that I'd do it now. Sure, yeah. Back then, because I, I, you know, I kind of, I kind of did it. I didn't do it that, that this page. That was but the, the best I thought I could do. And that and that is actually inspired by Otomo. Um, there's that uh, that Chinese Russia war comic that he did. Yeah. And there's a there's a panel in there with a big big fight and that I, I was really inspired by that i remember exactly where i was when I drew that. it's interesting to hear that description of the extra pages you know doing this battle in a different way and then seeing like from this two-page spread and and when you turn the page ed it's so effective <laughs> this what you ended up with you know as opposed to that first idea or that other you know an alternative way to get to this point like it's pretty you know everything you describe i feel like we experience in these couple of pages. Yeah, I just had wondered because I like at the time, like I said, I was really, I really loved John Woo and I still, John Woo's films and I wanted to do something like that. But although I did like the whole idea of the popping the ear off because it is the last piece of flesh, I think, functional on his body. It's his last piece of humanity. <laughs> what he thinks is humanity. Jeff, do you remember what the inspiration was to decide on magazine format as opposed to a comic book uh, pamphlet size? I think it was because I drew the size wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it would have looked, and it was so complicated, for some of it anyway, that it would have looked pretty. Although they're going to do that now, they're, they're doing, they're re-releasing it. It's going to be on one of those smaller, you know, trade size things. I don't know what's going to be. You know, I was really worried because I put this Johnny DC, Johnny ACDC thing on there. Right. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a, I don't know if you know it, that was a, a, a DC Comics character. Oh, no. Would, Look what's coming out this month. And, and then the, he would like introduce me. And, and I got away with it, but then they put it in a game and people were getting sued. And I thought, they did a hard-boiled game. And I said, I said you can't use that thing. Because you might get sued because Warner's had bought DC and they were kind of right. I get to draw my giant spark. Yeah, man. And and this shot too, like it makes me think of uh, like you knew Peter Chung. 
when, when yeah. you were in LA yeah. and at the beginning of Aeon Flux like has this with the mm-hmm. Venus flytrap yeah. eye, eyebrow. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I, I, I don't know if I'd met him at that point. I don't think that that's why I did it. Cause when did, when did Eon Flux I'm saying he might've done it. We'll see in this. Oh, maybe. maybe. Yeah. I, I, I love Peter's stuff. Now, once again, I, this thing was, I think that was going to be the last one. And I drew these last two pages in that in LA and I, I hate them because they were badly reproduced and, I, just, I think it's. I think I was kind of burned out. I just, I, I, I don't, I don't like these drawings. It's a very bold line. Like I wonder, did you draw this splash page smaller than? Uh, most I, of I the did. Others? Yeah, that's exactly you're right. So it, it got blown up. It up, and that bugged me. Yeah. yeah. But I like the shot. And that house on the on the left there. Yeah. That's the that's the house from Psycho. Right. Right. I think that was. Fun. <laughs> it is funny. I think a lot of things are funny. I'm foolish. <laughs> and look at this beautiful domestic couple. Uh, it does look like the dog is in heat. <laughs> One last dog asshole shot. <laughs> That's a dog in heat, man. It has the pig snout growing. It's going to be ready to make a baby. And that, that door has got a lot of security on it. Yeah, I That's love that French, door. That's a French door. It's kind of a French, the old style French doors. Times 100. Amazing, man. Trying to look at this character here. Is that like a Tetsuo on that on that bowl? It. It's quite possible. I can't I can't make it out from Tweety Bird underneath the dog, Bambi. Amazing. What a comic. And then okay, so this this lettering for the the end part, it's very congruent yeah. with the title lettering. Did uh Frank Miller's brother do that piece no. or that would just no, be John Workman. What's that cow thing? What's that? A smoking cow production. Oh, I don't, know, I don't know why I put that in there. Just having some fun. Yeah. March 1992 is when this one was released. Yikes. Oh. Amazing. Jim wow. Rugg, did you ever think we'd be hanging out with Jeff Darrow going through one of the most important comic books of our childhood? Nightmare. Man, full circle. Nightmare. Jeff? I, I often tell the story, Jeff, and I, I sh- I'm sure I've told it to you half a dozen times, but I mean, this was one of those, one of my first trips to the comic book store that was like my first comic book store. I picked up Hard Boiled, number one. I was too young to drive. You know, I'd got a ride with my parents and I'm reading it in the back seat going home and just trying to make it make sense because I had <laughs> never seen a comic book that looked anything like this. You know, I was used to monthly comics and, you know, I, I, I think about that all the time where it's like, those are those are deadline comics. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of ways to think of a monthly comic, but one of the things is they're drawn as fast as you can humanly draw them. And so like when I got hold of Hard Boiled and I'm just staring at pages for hours, it was a different thing. It felt like a different medium. Well, for me, like I said earlier, I, I just wanted, I, I wanted to impress Frank and I wanted to, to make him proud. Because it was, it meant a lot to me that, because nobody, nobody knew who the hell I was. I mean, it was, you know, it was very generous of him to, to work with me on this thing. I say he was very patient because I was, I just wasn't very fast. I. I was thinking of something like, and I don't, I'm not saying I achieved this, but David, David Stevens would always say that he wasn't going to do a lot of comics, but the ones that he did were going to be. He always asked me, "What do you want? What do you want, Jeff? What do you want out of comics?" I said, "I'd like some respect. I'd like to get respect." <laughs> and uh, I, I, I went to a Catholic school. Just, you know, 
it's 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 so funny i tell you this story because i might my uh my daughter went to art school in Paris, a place called Art Deco, which is one of the most well-known art schools in uh, in France. And uh, a friend of my wife's here um, as a friend that's, that, that's like super rich. And she has two kids. And one is a successful, successful businessman. He's a, a hedge fund manager in Canada's net. And her other son is just, he's just such a, a, a loser. And uh, he went to a nowhere school. He uh, went to this horrible school called the Art Deco, and he draws comic books. And he's such a failure. And it's like, I'm going to meet this woman. <laughs> he's like, there you go. Those are the kind of people who just look down on. Uh, on uh. So that's something I always find. That That's my kind of goofus and gallant. Yeah. Jeff, I always wanted to be. I always wanted to be Goofus. Of course, man. Like man, Goofus has a much more fun. Like, like ignorance is bliss, man. And and you know those. You know the Goofuses of the world. The shameless people that that don't uh, think twice about asking for the shirt off your back and like question why you wouldn't give it to them. But they seem to also have a lot of advantages. Like uh, people want to. What do they call it? The good guy discount, you know, like, uh, you know, if you just ask, sometimes people will just uh, give it to you. That was goofus. I, I went to this party that my that they had for my daughter when we were living in Chicago. It was the French school we had her enrolled in because French was her first language. And there are a lot of rich Americans that put their kids in there so they could say they went to a French school. And they had like a potluck for all the, the, the kids and their parents. And I went to one of those like, this super rich guy, an insurance guy. And he walks up to me. He kind of looks like one of the guys from the Rat Pack. He's got the sweater, the button sweater, and the sleeves rolled up to the to the elbow and kind of a slick back hair. And he started thinking, so what do you do? What do you draw? Do they pay you for that? I said, yeah, they do. Well, good for you. Good for you. And he pats me on the back and he walks off. <laughs> it's just like, like the best. It's so condescending. I'm like, yeah, yeah, good for me. <laughs> I Doing the hip hop comic, I had a record exec, a very famous one, uh, hit, hit me up and uh, wanted me to do some album cover for, uh, for, for this one rapper, a modern day rapper. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm not doing no cover for that, dude, man. Because, like, the shit, it's trash. And and then, like, I know how hip-hop works, and, and you get played out quick. So I was just kind of holding it. Like, if I would do something for that dude, then the people that I really like would never want to collaborate because I'm played out. Like, I'm this guy's right. thing, you know? And I'm like, no, nah, I'm not doing that, man. He's like, but we pay this. And I'm like, that's all right, man. And he's like, but but how does comics work? And I'm like, well, you know, you just get a royalty off the thing. It's no different than, like, a, a, than a art musical artists with uh the cd royalty and stuff like that but then you know he knows what the how that part works for the musicians he's like but how, how well how do you make any money then man? <laughs> <laughs> funny how that stuff works jeff uh before we get out of here can you please tell the people when they should expect the shaolin cow cowboy cruel to begin trade paperback to see the light of day in comic shops may 16th provided that you know like i guess everywhere the shipping and such but in theory it's supposed to be out may 16th uh, at least that's what it says on amazon but don't go to your go to your local comic store and uh, and, and pre-order it and ask them to to get it i think it's the best comic book that i i've ever done 
And, Fantastic. And I cannot wait to look through that comic yes. book. Uh, with, with you, it would it's be ideal. <laughs> it would be ideal to look through it with you. But uh, Jimmy, you're just thinking off the top of the head. Like, what if you know before then, sometime, we crack open Big Guy and Rusty, with with Jeff Jeff uh, joining well, us. If you ever want to do like a a, a Bon Bode thing, count me in. We definitely do, man. You know what? Getting that Cobalt Sixty, getting the old Yunk Waffles, hard hard to do. Like like we Is just it? need the comics. K Fabers, yeah. man. If you got doubles, PO Box three zero seven one. Monho PA one five one two zero, so that we could do the the Von Bode, uh Jeff Darrow comic. That'd be sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of my favorites, and I, that that really had more of a stylistic influence on me than probably before Mobius. Well, there's that him. there's that one great piece. Did you ever send it to Jimmy, the guy on the mic uh, on the uh, no, motorcycle? That's my that's my Von Bode. Uh, I use magic markers to color it like like he did. Gorgeous. I saw him. I, I still use this. I saw him at the Bill Suling's New York Comic Con, nineteen seventy five. I think Kirby was there. Steranko was there. Bernie Wrightson. I remember the elevator opened up. There's Bernie Wrightson, Jeff Jones, Louise Jones, and Von Baudet coming off the elevator. And I remember spinning in the lobby watching Von Baudet draw. Mm. And to this day, it was like magic. Like watching boys, he's like, "Gosh, how do you? How's he doing that?" And, and he was such a, uh, he was wearing like, well, at the time, like a caftan sort of thing. Which, you know, this is 1974, and I'm a kid of five, and I'm a kid from Iowa. And he looked very, very, or he could almost he couldn't describe his gender. He had painted fingernails, which he didn't at that time. He didn't see, and and uh, and he was drawn. And then there's these little old ladies who are watching him and talking about how he was. He was going to hell because he was probably a homosexual, and he was like. But they were actually pitying him; they felt bad for him. That's how they do. It's like, oh man! But yeah, that that. Yeah, because they're the ones that get to go to heaven, man. Yeah, yeah. I think he died. He died like about six months after. This is the last time he performed his car cartoon concert. I went to see that. You can find. Uh, we have an embarrassment of riches this day and age, man. You can find the videos. Uh, of some of those recorded performances on YouTube, they exist, and it is amazing. It's all the stuff you ever heard about with Mark Bode uh, talking about how his dad would perform the voices and shit. You get to hear it, you know. Did how you lucky are we? Teach Wizard sounded like W. C. Fields, as I recall. <laughs> but yeah, it was such a man, magic story. Go sitting on sitting on a Jack Kirby running into Jack Kirby outside the hotel and he's talking to us I was with some of the friends from art school and um and he says what are you guys doing going to come oh come up to my room and show me what you're doing mm. jim kirby and i was like couldn't do it couldn't do it because i didn't want to bother him <laughs> but it was just he was that sweet a guy amazing yeah and, and it's so cool that you got the number and it's like wow <laughs> we asked him why don't you come out with this he goes ah, i'm too you know yeah, it's, a, it's for you young guys. And da, da, da. I think uh, Bob Beerbaum on, on Facebook, he, he, he put out um, talking about going to, to some old uh, New York show and uh, Jerry Iger from uh, the Eisner Iger Studios was there and he had like some kind of carnival barker with him that said uh, he had a stack that Beerbaum said it was five feet high and he said that uh, they had a stack, the Carnival Barkers, like we have a stack of Matt ba Baker uh, original art, 10 bucks an inch. And he said he bought oh, two feet. Yeah. 
He, wow. bought, he bought two feet of Matt, Matt Baker uh, artwork, twenty four well, inches. Be... Said it took a year <laughs> to go through it all, and and he and he pulled out maybe six, seven complete stories uh, out of there in the in the whole mix of all that shit. That's incredible. Yeah, I, as I bought my first original art, I bought a, a page of Conan, uh, drawn by Gil Kane and inked by uh, I think either Ralph Reese, it might have been Ralph Reese, and a penciled um, drawing of the forever people by Jack Kirby. Do you remember which, the prices that you paid at that time? Yeah. Let's hear it. $45 for the Conan. And I think the Kirby was 50 or 60. Amazing. Yeah. Did that you, was a lot of money for me. That's oh, sure. That's a lie. We could put that in the inflation cal that's calculator and that, that, that'll I be did, hundreds of that, dollars. I did that drawing to Frank. Frank has the Kirby. Give it to him for his 40th birthday. What's up with the most generous people on earth as our guests here, giving Kirby artwork to each other, <laughs> passing Kirby well, artwork I, I, around? I, I, it kills me because I haven't seen it. And I, they did, Sci-Fi Network did a, uh, a uh, they toured Frank's studio. And they go, oh my gosh, what is this? This should be in a museum. Oh, that's a drawing I got from Jack Kirby, as I recall. And I'm like, that's the drawing I gave. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get the Gil Kane piece from Gil Kane? No, but because he wanted even more. He, I run into him at the show, and I go, "Oh, Mr. Kane, I'm a really big fan." And he goes, "Well, my boy, I just happened to hit a guy with him that had a stack of Kane originals, and they were like fifty dollars." And I'm like, "Oh my God, if I don't buy something from him." He's going to think I'm just bullshitting him, you know, <laughs> and I'm looking through these things. And I'm like, oh, God, they're, they're, you know, and I wasn't sure if I had the money da, da, da. and they weren't, you know, I was I mean, I was such a big Conan fan at the time. I was like, no, there wasn't any of that. And, and I was with this friend of mine, another artist named Gary Gianni. And Gary goes, oh, Mr. <laughs> I'm a really big fan. He goes, oh, really, my boy? Well, I had this artwork and he pulls the pile away from me and shows it to Gary. <laughs> and I bolt. That's my doubt. <laughs> and Gary actually did buy the page from him. But then I found another guy that had it. I think, actually, no, I think it was $35. That's what I paid for it. I found it. But like, it was like $15 cheaper, which doesn't seem like much. But at the time, $15. Oh, that's, that's plenty. Yeah. yeah, that's well, an inch yeah. and a half of Matt Baker's if you'd, have, <laughs> if you'd have found the right guy. <laughs> well, I heard they used to do that with Kirby, that that's what, I don't know if this is mention the guy's name, that he would just, was buying the stuff by the pound, and it was stuff that possibly had been taken. The, the stories from of Gil original King. art from, from, from those early days of like uh, buying and selling original art, like those stories are, I mean, they're, they're, they're criminal in some cases now. Yeah, there are artists I won't mention that supposedly you probably know what I'm talking about that would go in and when they go into the Marvel offices, they just... It's well on the record. I mean, we, we, we asked, we asked uh, Chaikin, who was Gil Kane's assistant, like, there was Gil Kane pinching stuff and, and Howard Chaikin, missed no words, said, Gil's a, Gil was a thief. Mm. He said the word thief. On, you know, Gil was a thief. He took it. He took the he stuff. He supposedly would go into Marvel and he would never leave without taking a stack of that paper that they gave. And supposedly he had like, you know, like you could build a room with, I mean, you know, like a six foot high pile of that paper. And it was, I think it was just uh, like a mental thing you couldn't leave without taking something there's probably some element of that like depression era sh shit man yeah, we're yeah. just like to have some resources really like uh squirrel some stuff away you would I, I would read about those old time cartoonists and they would talk about drawing on the backs of like 
uh, calendars and things like that. You know, like like literally finding scrap paper to draw on was a thing for yeah. for some of that. Uh, there, there's some of those guys that would do illustrations for for mag like those science fiction digest magazines, which Wally Wood did, and guys like uh, really good artists like Ed Cartier and uh, and they they used them to like uh, insulate their walls. Yeah, just ripped them up and put the paper in there because it didn't mean anything. To them. No one ever thought that stuff would be worth it. I remember when we went back then, you'd go and you'd see stacks of originals that. Uh, you know, like ten dollars, you could get a page of you know, World's Finest or all and, that stuff. In our in our lifetime, like, see, we've always heard those kinds of stories and 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 saw the prices in old books, and we would lament, like, oh, if I was there. But like the versions that we have of like where we were and what we saw with our own eyes, sixty dollar from hell pages, Eddie Campbell stacks like this at Chris Daros's table. But like at the time, I'm like fifteen, sixteen. Like that might as well have been six hundred dollars. Right. Like I just didn't have that. I had to pay twenty dollars to just get in here, and I was uh, a, that's a big regret. I, I was at a gentleman's house, a big art collector, and he's the only guy I knew that he had like he had bought a lot of the Wally Wood um, illustrations from Galaxy and What If magazine, and he uh, he had I think one or two Frazettas, and I'm in there sitting there with him, and his phone rings, and he says, uh, Jeff. Someone they have a uh, Frank Frazetta, one of the Princess of Mars, or one of those paintings for sale, and it's two thousand dollars. Now that was not a lot. That was a lot of money, but it wasn't that much for a Frank Frazetta painting. This was like nineteen seventy-six or seventy-seven. Still, as like that's a bargain, but I didn't have two thousand dollars. Yeah, that thing now would be worth. It could be a million. Half a million, yeah. It could, yeah. it could be like he's he's been selling for a million the past couple of years. It's, it's just, I mean, even I remember going to that the uh, um, not heritage, but the uh, uh, illustrators society of illustrators, and they sell artwork there. They, they, they used to, and they had a God, I, I thought about buying it. It was ten thousand dollars. It was an illustration of of Tintin. It was something for advertising, but it was you know, I mean, it's pure. I doubt that it was Hergé that drew it. Yeah, as a studio. It was because I knew the guy, met the guy, uh, uh, Jacques Martin, that, that, that did a lot of that stuff that actually worked on a lot of the last albums. But still, I was like, God, it was so beautiful. It was in color. Mm. I was talking to somebody with a car and a refrigerator and all this stuff and Tim Tim and Captain Haddock. But, mm. Wow. Jeff. We got to resume this uh, this conversation yes, at, at a later date. Thank, thank you so much for joining us uh, to go, to go through hard boiled. Uh, <laughs> look at that little Aryan motherfucker, man. Armenian <laughs> Cecil. Yeah. <laughs> Let's reconvene at a later date. Let's talk big guy Rusty. Let's talk Shaolin Cowboy. Cruel to be kin. Grab it at your local comic shop. Put in that pre order or uh, get it your easiest convenience. And when, and when does I'm going to ask you when does the Street Angel po Poverty is it Princess of Poverty? When does that come out? I don't have a street date for that yet, but I think it's probably in May. It was going to be in April, but uh, some contract stuff delayed its its release a little bit, so I, I just got that resolved. So, so we're uh, talking about competing books, then? You guys are at war. Are we going to take a look? Are we going to take a look at the Chromicon? Could be a book tour. How about that? But, but yeah, it should be out later later this spring. I like that train of thought, man. It's not about competition; it's about cooperation. That's right. And uh, this is a fun co-op today, Uncle Jeff. Thank you so much for yeah, joining thanks us. Thanks so sir. much, Jeff. Thanks so much.